You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 400, brought to you by iFanboy listeners just like you. Fanboy.com Pick of the Week Podcast, episode 400. Coming to you live through, via the internet, assuming you are now watching. If not, it's not live. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Money, 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 money. And there's no first, money. first ever live podcast, Paul Montgomery. What's up? Really? Yes. I didn't realize that. It's his first ever yeah. live one. It's like we natural. Are, we are at Fanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. If we can read a bunch of comics, one of us... Picks the best one, writes it by the website. We talk about it in this podcast along with the other books of the week, other topics of interest, all fun, kinds of fun stuff. And that's how it normally goes. This week, though, to celebrate the 400th episode, we're doing an all-listener email show. So we'll be talking about the pick of the week and then jumping right into the emails. And I'll be more on that in a minute. In the meantime, don't forget about spoilers because there's a big one in this issue that the pick is happening in. I've had some beer already. Um, so it'll be spoilers. So if you haven't read Wonder Woman, you might be spoiled. Whoops, that's the pick. Paul had it. Go. You want me to talk about Wonder Woman? Yeah. What number was it? 23? Wonder Woman? 23. Wonder Woman 23. I almost we hadn't been over all of my stuff to pick up the, the iPad to look at the issue. Sorry. Okay. No, um, no we, haven't, we, we haven't been so enthusiastic, excited about uh, Wonder Woman for, for a little while now, but I think with that, that little sojourn to the fourth world and New Genesis, I think... Um, I think it came s- back a couple of episode, issues ago. Yeah. 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 So I, I went back on board, and I and you know it was one of my favorite things coming out of the the first wave of the new Fifty Two, and um, as long as Cliff Chang's on it, I'm happy, and that has been going on for the past couple of issues at least, and uh, this this issue, um, big moment for War, aka mm-hmm. Brian Azzarello, the writer <laughs> of this book, in a interesting cameo, in a dead-eyed uh, cameo as as the Greek god War, and. Um, this just felt like a big third act kind of battle. Um, just a big set piece set in, in ruined London. Um, and we've got Orion in on the action, Wonder Woman, uh, Hera's wandering around. Um, and it's all against this, this big hulking firstborn character. And he's bad news. Um, but war is even worse news because he can summon all of the uh, veterans of every war that has ever been fought. And, you know, um, that's, you know, that's pretty um, exciting. The, the the moment this issue got me, uh, and I, I don't know if it was when it got you, was the full page spread, which I'm going to put up on the camera now for the chat rumors to see, is the moment when War summons all of the dead soldiers as his army. Yeah. And you see conquistadors, and you see Indians, and you see knights, and you see Revolutionary War fight and say conquistadors again. That was sexy. conquistadors, and you see Viet Cong, and you see World War II soldiers, and it's just. Civil War guys, and that's the moment where I went, yes. You sure yeah. it wasn't when she bonked him on the head and then said, a-hole? Well, maybe, but this was really the, this, that was the moment where I was like, okay, I'm in. You know? I had, uh, yeah, I, I had actual goosebumps when I was, when I was reading that and when that page came up, and, uh, I was listening to some Johnny Cash at the time, old Johnny Cash, and, uh, it got was me. Was it cocaine? 
It wasn't cocaine. What song was cocaine it? Blues. I don't know what uh, song it was. When the, man there. when the man comes around. Okay. Perfect. Worked. Yeah. It's not old. That came out what? in like. Josh, remember who we're talking about? Elderly Johnny Cash. Oh. Sorry. Okay, I see what you're saying. Troll okay, me that's... on the live show. Um, <laughs> no, and it's just I, I, that character I think has been just sort of biding his time, and then to have this noble, valiant kind of send off um, was pretty cool. And um, Cliff Chang and uh, and Matthew Wilson on Colors just like pulled out all the stops. Um, that moment when Orion is going to do like a. Um, some kind of wrestling move up from the rafters down it's on the first floor. It's or something. It's pretty bad. That's not a suplex. No, it's a flying... I don't... I used to know things like that. It's almost a flying elbow drop, but he's yeah. doing some kind of... Yeah, and he's coming down from the rafters, and then uh, the first one was ready for him, and then he did this big shock of yellow in the background, and um, just really striking. Well, uh, it's funny. When we talked to Cliff Chang way before this book came out, remember Josh at the New York Comic Con? Yes. He said he was working on putting in... That was San Diego. San Diego, fuck, was it? <laughs> yeah, it was. San Diego Comic Con. Uh, he talked about he was going to put wrestling moves into the book, and uh, he done, done you that. Remember that? I remember where it was, but you remember the quote. That's strong. Well, he put he was showing us the art and the iPad. We hadn't. Seen By the way, that. when you get to be apparently this age, you get impressed at your other friends' memories. You remember <laughs> that? Good job. You must be eating fish. Your back doesn't hurt. So right now, specifically. So Paul, let's discuss the big um, events of this book, which are slightly controversial for some. Wait, before we go, before we go there, the only thing I wanted to say when we were still talking about the art is that when I wrote the pick of the week for the first issue, a long while back, one of the things that really impressed me with it was the storytelling, especially in the fight sequences. Mm -hmm. And as we're talking about the wrestling stuff uh, throughout this, first of all, right away, right away when I opened it and I saw, I saw Cliff Chang's art, not his name. I wasn't, I didn't really even think to look for that, but right away I was like, oh, that's nice. Like it, there's just he's just better than other artists, and it doesn't yeah. it doesn't say anything about the other artists other just than just in general. Just Cliff Chang is. is better he's, than them. He is. Yes. And and when you look throughout this, there's a lot of fighting in this. There's a lot of hand to hand stuff. And so as you watch like the fight sequences of of war as he fights the firstborn and you know catches his catches his arm and then punches him underneath, and you just look at how the camera angles and the colors work to make those sequences are wonderful. That's as good fight storytelling as I've seen in any comics you know recently. And did you mention Matthew Wilson? Yeah, I yeah. did. I had a beer so I didn't hear if you heard him or not yeah. but yes. Yeah, and uh, I think expression is really important um, mm-hmm. in this book because I just I realized this in writing this review was that we don't we don't get inside Diana's head. Um, there's no caption boxes. Um, so we're a little. We, there's a little bit of distance between the reader and Wonder Woman, uh, in contrast to uh, what all we're so used to with DC Batman books. and Superman. Yeah, all the other DC books, um, and that that can that distance can be problematic sometimes. But I think here, in such an emotional issue, and with Cliff Chang allowing her to express herself that way, um, it just really works. And you, you, if it could have been really overwrought. If, I think that's um, a great point about this book is that it's one of the few that doesn't rely so heavily on that yep. constant inner monologue to make sure the reader knows everything that's happening. It's weird because this book seems to be operating outside the parameters of all of the stuff that everybody else who is creating for DC seems to be complaining about. Well, you know why? Why? It's because the editor went to tell Brian Azzarello what to do. <laughs> and he just looked at him. <laughs> he looked into his eyes and he went, never mind. And, and he, he did that away. through the phone. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was amazing. I was yeah. scheduled to do a phone interview with Brian Azzarello a while back, and he had to uh, cancel, and I was so glad. 
because I was terrified. <laughs> and you're like, like I was excited to talk about him, but I was like, we just do this by email. Like I was afraid. What's uh, funny is that it, when you say that is that a lot of times if somebody gets drawn drawn into a book as the character War, the God yeah. of War, they're gonna they're gonna um, sort of uh, upgrade their look. They're gonna make them look a little. This looks exactly like him. Yeah, this a is little bit longer perfect. beard. No, no, I think he's at about that level. <laughs> is he? Um, yeah, yeah, it's long. Is, yeah. Exactly so let's talk. Let's talk about the big, yeah. big moment because that's what get, got people talking all over the internet. Uh, so the, in the big fight with the firstborn, War takes him on and he's fighting him, and and in order to win, in order to not have the firstborn uh, take the power of War, Diana puts a stake through. Wars back and the firstborn stomach basically shoot, gets them in both one shot and right. ends up herself becoming the god of war. And uh, I think what that does is, is allows for lots of now interesting conflicts within the one woman who's traditionally been the symbol of her peace, but we've know we know from going all the way back to Kingdom Come that they've they've turned her into more of a warlike uh, character. But I think what they, what Azrael is going to probably do is really play with the dynamic of that and how how will the someone who is basically an emissary for peace deal with being the goddess of war now, um, I think that leads to a lot of interesting places. Yeah, and we already got a hint of that with um, with Wonder Woman deciding not to take out the firstborn totally. Like she could have mm-hmm. just totally put him down. And I think Death remarks that uh, it's an interesting choice for a goddess of war. Um, right. I'm so yeah. I'm I'm really excited to see how that plays out and to, and to see that and especially because that brings the conflict away from this ensemble where she's the protector and there are other characters like um, Lennox um, sacrificing themselves for the good of the party. This brings it back to her and I really do want to know more about this Wonder Woman because when it started, I mean, she's just she's living in this flat in London, I guess, and she's already an established um, hero and she's more of a force of nature than a character with any kind of internal conflict. Yeah. So I'm excited to see what decisions she makes, and um, how this—I mean—that's—that's a—that's a lot of power to be the goddess of war. I don't even know how you visualize that. Um, it's gonna be cool. Yeah. And one thing I really liked also was that basically this issue ended the twenty-three issue story. Thank right. I mean, we're, we're ready for a new arc. I mean, it's basically been—you know—somebody asked on the website, "Can I jump on?" And it's like, well, you're jumping on at the very last moment. Yeah. Uh, Although, and you can I, absolutely you can, but. It's been a, it's been a two year story, basically, and this is the and they're finally we've been talking about it, and it's gonna, I'm sure the story will continue. So technically, it's not like they're going to start over, but there's a, definitely a feeling of this bit wrapping up, which you haven't had yet in this book. You know what? You know what I like about the whole God of War business is that I feel like the idea of Wonder Woman gets confused out there, and and like the whole thing is that, that they've made the point in this the whole time is that she's a warrior. And there's mm-hmm. all sorts of people who think, no, no, she's for peace or whatever and love. And my favorite Wonder Woman depiction has always been New Frontier, where she's yeah. she's a, a bitchin' warrior. Yep. And this is this this goes hand in hand with that. Like, you know, it'll be a different take on it, but uh, I think it's really cool. And I like that idea that as he's dying, War says, "Keep me in your heart, Wonder Woman." Um, because it's not just war is not just this this characterization of war is not just about violence violence and carnage um, mindless carnage this is this is about the good fight this is about the struggle this is about or, fighting or, for what it, you care about it could be if like it, it has yeah, the potential right. for that and I think that's, well, actually that's what more he's doing yeah. in in this moment um, yeah 
He's, it's very he's easy summoning to up just, everything. It's it would be very easy to categorize war or the god of war as as the Punisher, as Frank Castle, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's much more easiest. complicated. It's much more complicated, and it's 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 a cool way to bring it. I think that's interesting, Paul. Like that's, I like I like the idea that war was a guy trying to find peace, and as a god as a god of war, he's never going to find peace, and uh, you know he finally did in death. Mm-hmm. So you know, I thought there was a lot of interesting things going on here. I thought it was a great pick, beautiful art, interesting story, lots of interesting sets up the next the next level, which is interesting. You know, the, it's issues like this that really puts into stark relief how. Um, I'm going to find a diplomatic way to say this. How tough the New 52 has been in terms of story, in terms of quality story. And this is really, this is one of the few books that's really been well done. They they, they clearly let him tell it, or at least most. He's on his own. I mean, it has been described for for many people, including people who work at DC, as as a Vertigo book in the DC universe. And it really is. It really is a Vertigo superhero book in the DC universe, which is amazing. What's what's the plan with this? Like, is, is... Did I see? Is Grant Morrison doing it? Is that? He's doing Earth One, like the the okay, J. Michael so, yeah, that's I, Okay, that's right. That's the. He's doing it out of continuity. As far as we know, they're sticking on this. Mm-hmm. So far as we know, I mean, they're gonna for Villains Month. I think Azarello is going to do a Firstborn issue, and then there's going to be. I think Ostrander is doing a Cheetah issue, which has like nothing to do with any of this. Which you can. But then think? after that, we've got Diana on some kind of scary warhorse and. Uh, <laughs> This, the saga continues. I um, want to read that story, but I only want to read it if they write it. Like right. if they, they, they tell that story. Yeah. So there you go. Wonder Woman 23 is the pick of the week. Great mm-hmm. great issue. Uh, great wrap-up to two years of Wonder Woman, which is it's crazy that it's been two years um, when you think about it. Yeah, wow. So let's uh, normally we talk about the rest of the books, but it's the fourth of this episode. So we're going to do some emails. And if you're in the chat room, you can see all of these emails we've got going here. Uh, so we solicited emails from you for the last couple of weeks. Got a ton of them, and they were, they were great. Uh, we have a lot here. We're not going to get to them all. So what I'm going to say to you first is if you wrote in, thank you. We appreciate it. Uh, if we don't get to your email, I'm sorry. We'll try to write back. Uh, but you know, Better time, next time. What do you want? T- time constraints. We, can't, we literally, literally can't do all these emails. Um, and also, a lot of you in your emails wrote you know, very nice intros, you know, thanking us for uh, our show, uh, congratulating us on 400 episodes. Um, we, we, we cut those out just for time's, time's sake, but we also read all those, and they were all very nice, and we, and we appreciate we don't, it. We don't want to sound like assholes reading compliments to ourselves. Right, but we, we also uh, appreciate all the kind words you did, you said to us and, and all that. We just cut them out just for time, time's uh, consideration. So, uh, but thank you. So we're going to kick it off with the first email from Dan, who writes, and he says, It seems that today we have far more hit-or-miss comics than we used to. While there's a certainly more great or near-great runs going on, than there were 10 or 20 years ago, most of everything else is pretty bad. I feel like the middle ground, workman-like, lunchbox crowd comics that guys like Chuck Dixon used to put out are just aren't being made anymore. Every Dixon issue of Robin or Nightwing, for instance, would have two fight scenes, a set piece, some character development, and a cliffhanger. Nothing flashy, but solid comic bookery. With the guys who did this sort of stuff, Dixon, Wolfman, Grunwald, Nicieza, Stern, etc., largely out of the industry or working on terrible New 52 books, has anyone taken up the mantle? Any favorite solid but not spectacular writers that I've missed? Hmm. He's right that, they, that they, they pounded us into silence immediately. He's right, though. I mean, the the middle ground guys are gone. It's like the middle class. It's like a metaphor. It's you know the middle the middle class of comics is sort of out. Do you think that's true? Yeah, or do you cause... think that maybe? And and I I I just wonder if I'm applying my own point of view. Like that middle class stuff. Middle class. I don't feel like that's the <laughs> like. 
I feel no. like like you've seen all the tricks that those folks can do. But there there definitely is a a workman. There's a there's I, a I feel like there's an all or nothing vibe. There is you know I mean? there is for me in comics, especially in superhero comics now. Like that's a <laughs> yeah. that's a standard I've adopted. Where mm-hmm. like like that stuff's good, it's fine, I just I don't care. Like if like but if you want like meat and potatoes superhero stuff, like I I feel like I've read all of it. Right. So maybe those guys who are out there, your your here we go, your Cullen Buns, your Tony Bedards, your whoever, you know, they're doing fine work. I just like I I I want it to be more interesting than that. Do but you think, a market for it? Do you think the drop in uh, page count has anything to do with the way they have to structure these stories? So I mean, talking about having certain set pieces throughout an issue and it just feeling like a solid, well-paced story. Even dropping one page from the standard script is problematic and changes the way you have and, and the amount of things you can do in a story. And that I makes it feel it a little bit more slapdash. I think it makes it more of a challenge, but I don't think it's the culprit. If that, if saying, that makes I think sense. it contributes in a way. Might. Yeah. Um, I think there's less of a market for the middle t- the middle tier titles. You know, I think that there's less of an audience. So, um, you know, uh, those it's just a, it's a different. Twenty years ago, it's a completely different market, and it just it's changed. It's more of a big it's more of a big market. You know what I mean? Like the yeah, big everything has to be yeah. Every I mean, you said it, like every everything has to be the best. Yeah. Like every time that there's a Marvel event. This is the biggest, most significant, shocking thing that's ever happened. Someone has to die. Some, like that's everything. And then, if everything has to be that, then everything else, by comparison, is worthless. Right. Um, yeah, and there's when... because because if you it just if and both the one thing that we, we we complain I guess a little about let's say DC isn't doing as well as Marvel, but one thing both companies are doing right now is they are both moving in lockstep. Every single thing is seems to be part of a unified agenda for the whole thing. There's not a lot of you know Nick Fury Max is 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 you know an outlier. Yeah. Everything else is moving together to the to the greater good of the cinema division. You know DC followed the Justice League and that's pretty much where it all goes. You know. And I just remember picking up that that first issue of Constantine for the new 52 and it just having that feeling of a new 52 book. And I don't entirely know how to quantify that, but I think it's about big page, like big single-page reveals of a villain. Um, there is a certain art style to it, but I, I, there's some kind of structural thing to recent comics that feels harried and more about major beats. Um, it, 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 it's formulaic. Yeah, I mean, okay. no, I mean that that Constantine book is the perfect example of what you're talking about, though. It's perfect. All right, we got a lot of these. So let's move on. Josh, take the next one. Yeah. Uh, Number two. Randy says it seems to me that in this burgeoning age of digital comics, one publisher is clearly winning and one is clearly losing. I I don't know what this is gonna say. I was pretty much a blank slate to comics up until two years ago in DC's New Fifty Two, but DC isn't the digital comics winner in my opinion. Of the 20 or so subscriptions I have on Comixology, 15 of them are Marvel. The reason for this is that I have unlimited access to every Marvel back issue ever, up until seven months from the current date. The Marvel Unlimited website and app costs about $6 a month and empowers me to catch up on every thread of every storyline, so I'm never left in the dark. 
it encourages me to subscribe to more Marvel books and find out what is currently going on. Wouldn't it make sense for more publishers to adopt and promote this kind of model? If DC did, and I could, let's say, read Blackest Night, I might actually pick up the Green Lantern book for the first time in my life. You wouldn't. The intimidation of not knowing what is currently happening would be lifted. The one publisher that is clearly losing in the new era of digital comics, from my perspective, is Dark Horse. Nearly all of all the major publishers, Dark Horse is the only one not on Comixology. Comixology is... <laughs> It's just written by Comixology. Comixology is my comic book store. I'm not going to buy all my comics from it and then drive across town to go to the Dark Horse store. They're, except it's on the same device. They are missing out. It's a long email. I get distracted. You've got three lines left. Much exposure that it boggles my mind. I've tried writing to Dark Horse. That didn't work. Begging them to join Comixology to no avail, of course. Is there anything that fans can do to talk sense into a major publisher? No. Uh, somebody else, yeah. Is well, the, the thing is, the thing is, this is very personal for you. You know, you're. I, I agree with a couple things. One, I think Marvel's model is really good. I think the idea of giving this unlimited access to back issues is great. Uh, it's, it's sort of the Netflix model. Uh, two, the thing about Dark Horse is, Dark Horse isn't on Comicsology, which means they don't have to pay Comicsology, which means they make more money. And Comicsology, you're not just paying Comicsology; you're paying Apple, as well. Apple or Google or whoever. Plus Comixology or Amazon. You can, or you, can write, you can write Dark Horse all you want and say go on Comixology, but they're not going to get up their whatever percentage to Comixology if they don't want to. Yeah, and the fact is, they're used to. Okay, I think just reading your description, you are a certain kind of reader, and there are certainly other kinds of readers like you, and you're probably not a majority, but you're, you're definitely kind of plurality. But I don't think that your experience definitely. Sort of represents the average comic book reader, or or especially the person they're going after, if that makes sense. But also, uh, it's just like I you wish said, everyone was like you. Like you said, Josh, it's an app, and like yeah. you know, I have I have multiple apps with comics on my iPad. And how easy I, do I you want one it to and be? I click the next one. Like, he wants it to be. He, he wants it to be easier than that, which is yeah. which is asking a lot. Um, then the other side of it being, you know, Marvel's a different company than DC. They have different budgets and targets Philosophies. and whatever. Yeah. So it was a significant expense, I'm sure, to set up that Marvel DCU. <laughs> Do they still call it that? I think it's the funniest Probably thing not. ever. Um, you know, it costs a lot of money to get all that stuff out there, build the infrastructure, scan the books, reformat anything that needs to be formatted, and maybe that doesn't make sense for, for DC, who, by the way, has a shitload more stuff than Marvel because they've been around publishing a lot longer and a lot more. Right. Um. So I, I don't know, but I, I can't say, you know. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with him. I think Marvel's strategy is probably the best. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I think the idea of of having super old issues available digitally that are the same price as a new one is, is kind of silly. I think you mm -hmm. should have your old, you, you should make them all available. But uh, even though digital is still an open warfare playground, I mean, it's still the Wild West. Yep. They still haven't, no one's still really figured out the best way to do it yet. Here's the so, thing that, that you can, you can, Quantified. If you look at uh, digital, and that includes comic books, but also ebooks and and EPUB and everything, there is still no unified format. Um, that's the thing that happened in music. Yeah. You had MP3. MP3 came in, level the playing ground. Everybody stopped trying to do their own store. Sony didn't do a store. Now I know that there's you know there's Apple's format or whatever, but it all pretty much plays in the same thing. Right now. They're still trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're still trying to have the walled garden of Comicsology. That will change eventually. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody will win out. There will be a Blu-ray, and it will beat HD DVD, and that'll be the end of the game. They'll get there. It's going to take. We're still very early in the process. It's going to take comics a long time, but that also has a lot to do with it because everybody's going to want their their stuff to be ubiquitous. But they're still trying to hold on to the reins of the past. And you have the whole retailer thing. 
All right, now the next question I'm going to read, Paul, because it's about you. Okay. Question three is from Jim and says, what is Paul's iFanboy story? I don't know what that means, Paul, but he's asking, so. My fanboy story was uh, when I was still in college, um, I needed to get my tonsils out, and I felt like I should do it the classic way that you get your tonsils out, which is to eat ice cream and read comic books and watch cartoons. And so I decided to do that, and I was like, I've been reading comics in sort of in trade format throughout my life um, after reading comics voraciously as a kid reading the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book, the, the Archie one, not the like original indie stuff. But um, And then my dad like gave away all my comics in a, in a milk crate to, uh, to the kid who lived next door to my grandparents. And I'm still trying to track that guy down and get those comics back. Um, I think he got into sort of a drug problem. What are we talking about? Um, <laughs> How'd you so get here? How, do we, how are we dealing with you and your pork pie hat? So I needed to get my I needed to get my tonsils out. I was like, what comics should I be reading? And I looked around, and podcasts were just starting to be a thing. And this was what 2006, five, something like that. Six, 2005, 2006. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know what to read. And so um, I, I looked around, and I was like, um, that's a weird name for a website. Let's listen to that. And uh, I listened and got up to date, sort of, on comics. And I was reading um, New Avengers and. Um, Jeff John's uh, Justice Society of America book was coming out at the time, and uh, I started posting on the Revision 3 forums, and hmm. um, I wouldn't go away, so they're like, do you want to have a forum for your brand of crazy, and to and, and to be, you know, t- to get a chance to, to talk about comics, and I was a columnist for a little bit on ifanboy.com, and then I ran out of opinions. <laughs> so then I just started writing reviews. He's not getting. Doing a, yeah, I just I, I he wrote to us one day because I, I got I got nothing. I was like I have I no longer have an opinion about anything anymore. Um, so I was like I I don't know how I, I I don't know how Jim and Mike did it you know every week for five years now, and so I was like I but I was like I'm just gonna I'm gonna talk about the work and I'm gonna write reviews and things and uh, it's been a it's been a blast and um, and then one day. Ron got a crazy job offer that is like perfect for him, and uh, I was really, really excited for him because these guys are my my big brothers, and um, they're like, "Do you wanna do you wanna do this every week?" And I was like, um, "Where are your not... slightly older brothers? Like by six or seven months?" Yeah, I think no one believes like, that. No one, <laughs> no. So I was, so I was, so I was like, I'm not, I don't have anything better to do. So uh, now we're that's now why, we're that's here. That's why we're so, doing it. You're perfect. So this is great. You're hired. I, You're hired I feel kid. like a total fraud doing like this is episode four hundred. This is like I don't know my twenty. Someone in the chat room says I ran out of opinions. The, the Paul Montgomery yeah, story. Yeah, it's pretty much which uh, <laughs> pretty much is his story. Uh, Paul, why don't you take the next email? Sure. Uh, Edward, aka Heroville, said my question for you is this: Has Batman become as boring? and invincible as people used to claim Superman was, or still is. I ask because uh, there no longer seems to be anything that anyone can throw at him that he can't overcome, even as writers say they want to pull away from the Bat-God interpretation of the character. Uh, The man's overcome death, both literal and figurative, so the notion that he's still a normal being seems like an absurd proposition. He has the answer to every question, a tool for any scrape, and we're continually told to view him as the most brilliant and dangerous man in any situation at any given time. So why hasn't there been 
uh, a waning interest in him in the way there has when Superman was perhaps rightfully deemed overpowered. Has this uh, has the Superman is lame, Batman is cool meme uh, gotten so much steam that there's no way to pull it back, even as the trend seems to have reversed. Uh, even Superman himself uh, is now at Batman's mercy, since we're constantly told he'd have something ready for him, and yet the people uh, who make the claim also always seem to be the ones who still complain about Big Blue being too powerful? That's a really good question. Um, it's a good point. I think I think that's definitely true of like a Justice League Batman. When hmm. you have when you cast him as that archetype, as being the super genius and um, having and like as a, if he were a chess player, like he's like he's like President Bartlett. He knows twenty steps ahead. You know what's really funny about that is that there are at least two emails in here about the West Wing. Yeah, and I know. <laughs> um, we love the West Wing, and I and I love our West Wing fans. Um, but you know that that episode where he's playing like two or three different games of chess, and he knows how many steps away he is from beating Sam or beating Toby, whatever. Um, that's sort of Batman in the Justice League um, ensemble. But is it um, any different than any other character? It's also that's, no different than question. it isn't. That's what I was thinking as I was reading. It's also no different than Batman has ever been. No, Batman but like is, any 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 protagonist is going to win in the end, yeah. right? No matter what you throw at him, Galactus is going to come and Reed is going to find the ultimate nullifier and he's going to beat him. You know, no matter what threat appears, the hero is going to win. Especially superheroes. That's, that's literally my that's my devil's advocate. I do feel there's a little bit too much Bat God, but. Ultimately, the hero wins the story. I mean, it's a serialized fiction. It's not uh, a Darren Aronofsky film. I mean, eventually, the hero is going to win. So, I think that's that, my my counter to that. I I would I Connor, or Paul, you made a good point about like in, in the Justice League. I think Grant Morrison set yes. up that architect and, and used it all up. Like anything anybody does, he was, has he done was so good in that. So yeah, no, he good. was. But whenever anybody else does it, you just feel like I've read this before. Well, it's, it's, that, that carries over into the um, the Justice League animated series, the Justice League Unlimited. Like he's very much that Morrison Batman there. Um, I th- and I think it's because they don't use him as the entry point. Um, even in the current, I'm not I'm not religiously reading John's Justice League stuff right now, but um, aren't they using some of the younger characters like the uh, the, the the female Adam? Yes, she's she's more like the she's the audience. She's she's the she's the reader's viewpoint, um, and Batman is just like this major figure. And I think that's true, especially of the Trinity of Wonder Woman, Superman, Batman. Um, when you get into his solo series, so if you're just looking at like Snyder's Batman, I think he's been beat up a ton. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, he does come back from. I, I remember there being complaints about in the Court of Owls storyline that like he's able to come back from like nothing and and do all these wrestling moves on the on that talon after he'd been locked in this labyrinth for weeks or whatever it was. Um, I guess that's true. Um, but Snyder beats that guy up a ton, and I mean, look, just look at the most recent issue. He's just barely getting out of. You know that that house fire alive. Um, you know, you know who else door. did that was uh, was Hulk Hogan in that movie he was in. You know, he was beaten. He was at the end of his rope, but, but he found a way. Rocky two. No, he was in the, that wrestling movie. The point Hulk is, Hogan was in Rocky three. The point is so that eventually the, the hero is going to find a way to win. And with Batman, yeah, I mean, look, I'm a huge Batman fan. Everyone knows who listens to the show knows that, but. 
even I sometimes feel like maybe he shouldn't have a plan for everyone. It's a little too rote to say, well, Batman has a plan, he'll win. You know, so maybe maybe make it a little more of a challenge for him. It's both. You know, it's the funny thing is that in like a JLA book or whatever, no one gets to outwit Batman. I think the closest yeah. anybody came, the 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 way they got to start to get around that, I think, was maybe Identity Crisis, mm-hmm. where they found a chink in his armor in that maybe he doesn't make the best moral decisions, and so nobody like that's the closest I I came to ever like taking Batman off of that pedestal. I think I think part of the hope in the new Fifty Two was that we get a younger Batman who's maybe less experienced and be more it'd be more challenging. But you know, it's the same. It's just like after Crisis on Infinite Earths, it's basically the same Batman. So because Batman's Batman, you don't you don't mess with the cash cow. You don't tinker too much with the honey wagon. You know, Josh well, knows. Like that... Josh knows the honey wagon is the most important thing of any film shoot. Yeah, honey wagon. Yeah. What? I mean, come on. I was like, and I. I think age and experience also has, you know, has a big thing to do with it. That's why I really like the sort of year one Batman kind of stories. That's, that's why I'm enjoying zero, zero, zero year right. so much. In, in, in comparison, I mean, I, I like dribs and drabs. Like in small doses, the, the Justice League Batman where he is that he's basically a shadow. And that's, that's sort of how he's drawn in those things. And he's a million steps ahead. And, and that, 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 can, that can be kind of cool in a, in a, in a bigger picture, but because he's not the, he's not the focus. He's not, he's not really a protagonist. Well, um, funny you should mention year one, because the next email is from Peter from Medea, Pennsylvania. And Peter writes, during a recent New York Comic Con, I was fortunate enough to win one of a handful of tickets a New York comic retailer was giving to meet Frank Miller and David Mazzucchelli. David Mazzucchelli was also in attendance that weekend. Wanting to pick a work that they both did together, as opposed to The Dark Knight Returns of a Serious Polyp, I chose a seminal story in my comics life, Daredevil Born Again, for both of them to sign. Since then, I've struggled with whether Batman Year One would have been the better choice, not to sell, but to remain on my shelf as a memento, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Did I make the right decision, in your opinion? All right, here we go. I've never read uh, Daredevil Born Again. Never read Born Again? No, just never came across it. But, I mean... It's when you weren't reading. Yeah, well, I wasn't reading when Year One came out either, but I went back and got it for whatever reason. That's true. Born Again isn't hell as is, is high of a... No. I'm, sh- you know, I, I honestly, eh, I don't think you can go wrong. They're both, they're both probably books that those guys never want to talk about again. <laughs> I mean, do, you think, do, you, do you think the stature of Born Again has changed since this current run on Daredevil? Because no. for a while it was like the Daredevil story. And it's no, still... I, think, I think still Frank Miller is still the one. As great as, yeah. as great as the Frank as great as the Mark Wade stuff is, and I talked to you as I poured another beer, uh, it's still. But Frank isn't there something to defined. it being like that? Was that that that's sort of like all you could really point to? The, unless well, it's, unless it's, you it's, really like that. Like it's Kevin similar to thing. Frank Miller and Batman. I mean, as great as the Batman stories have been since then, it's still Dark Knight and still Year One is considered the seminal stories. It's, well, it's because it's what most people have been aping since then. But they're all yeah. yeah. But uh, I think uh, I think. When I was coming up, and even to this day, I, I still think the seminal Daredevil story is Frank Miller on his own. It's the Electra mm-hmm. story. And so I think in that way, um, that eclipses Daredevil Born Again, which is why we don't tend to talk about that quite as much. Right. Uh, because I don't know why. Because Frank Miller's more of a superstar, probably. And he just did the whole thing, and people like that more. Yeah. I think, pers- you know, Peter, it's up to you. you like, if you like Born Again, then great. That's the one you should get signed. Yeah. I don't, th- I, th- I don't think you have anything to regret. 
If no. That, I mean, that seems no. like that's your question. Did I make the wrong decision? No. no. You, made a, you, made, no. you made a fine decision. Absolutely. Okay. Next up, Drew. One, I know you guys were all, were all fans or kept up for some time on the Bendis Avengers run, but have any of you guys ever read Jeff Johns' Avengers run? If so, how was it, Connor? I have all the trades. I can't reach them. They're all up you read them? over there. You yeah, read I've read them. them. I've I read, read them. them. I read them. I read. I read some of them. Basically, Johns' run ended the pre-Bendis era. People, people mm-hmm. may not know this. That uh, this is like Johns' mm-hmm. only Marvel work. He when he first burst on the scene, they had him come over and write Avengers because Avengers was foundering. Nobody, Avengers wasn't popular. As crazy as that is to say now, uh, so he wrote. He wrote a good. He wrote three. Hardcovers worth. I've got them up there. I can't reach them. Little little known um, fact. Who is the inker on that? Remender. Rick Remender. Rick Remender. Hmm. And Kieran Dwyer was the penciler. Great artist. I love him. Yeah. Uh, and so he basically ended it with no fanfare. And then Bendis came in and and uh, just restarted it with disassembled. But it's okay. I mean, I think you know they're solid. But I, I think read... it's clear. It's clear that John's heart is in the DCU. Mm-hmm. You know, like Bendis's is in Marvel. And John's better work has been in the DC universe, the DC characters. It's good. I have the trades. I'm happy. I read them. I read them all. Excuse me. Oh. I reread them all. And uh, you know, is good. it? I haven't read it. Is it? Is it? Are they longer arcs? Are they like standalone stories? Uh, there's not sure. There's, there's four trades as I look. Um, Jeez. And uh, much shorter than that. There's like there's a bunch of different storylines. Yeah. And I think I think they're putting out like a uh, co- co- complete collection hardcover. Yep. Um, they're good. If you like the Avengers, if you like Jeff Johns, you can't go wrong with them. They are of that era. Yeah, totally. It doesn't feel like... I mean, that's why Bendis' new Avengers was such a radical departure from what was going on then. They mm-hmm. felt like they fit in more with that Kurt Busiek uh, sort of era of Avengers. Yeah, totally. Um, which is good to know. Second question from Drew. What were the core iFanboys, Josh, Ron, Connors, first impression of each other? Uh... Did you guys have a dorm together, or did you all guys yell across campus, hey, are you a comic fan? I feel like we've told this a bit. Well, um, we, we told our origin story, but Josh, what was your first impression of Ron? Uh, didn't you think he was, like, the coolest? <laughs> I don't, Wasn't I don't, it, I don't didn't know. you bond over, like, a Simpsons joke or something? And yeah, Simpsons it was a thing video. like that. Like, basically, had, like, we sat next, we sat like next like to each other in, in, a, in a class. It was new, new Telecommunications Technology. That was the name of the class. <laughs> New Telecom Tech. Which was an awesome class. It was an awesome yeah. class uh, taught by Professor Raymond Ghazi, who was one of the only guys who, at the I gave him a hug at graduation. I was like, you're the man. Um, and basically, we both sat on the, you know how a room, it was like one of those classrooms where there was rows in the middle, and then there were seats along the side? Yeah, against you know, the wall. Ron and I were guys who would sit against the wall. Yeah. And I don't remember what it was, but we started just yapping at each other, like little things. And it's one of those things where a guy, a, you know, Connor and Ron and I have a, a very uh, synced sense of humor, and I think it's an inborn thing. I don't remember when the three of us started hanging out. I remember the when the three I of us started... didn't hang out together till the very end. Right? Yeah, exactly. But second like, semester, senior year. This was that wasn't until junior year. I didn't meet him until then, and I didn't really meet you until then either. Although you yeah. remember me from very early. But no, we didn't, but, but we didn't hang out the three of us and Gordon right. intern until the very end of college. Yeah, which was and I hung out with years ago. I hung out with you guys separately. Yeah, and you hung out with me separately until we all. No, we all we all liked each other right away. Yeah, um, Ron and I bonded over Star Wars. That was our thing freshman year when we had class. We had broad prod together, broadcast production. I didn't production. Know that far back. Yeah, broadcast production our first semester of college. We had it yeah. together, and I was his host for his Star Wars show. You know, you had to cast your talent, 
And uh, I said, I can talk about Star Wars. And so he, he, he made me the host. Jesus. Which I have, this, I have a, this, whole, this whole thing goes way back. I have a VHS of, of 18-year-old Connor talking about Star Wars on Ron's show. And I have also a VHS of 18-year-old Ron talking about whatever he was talking about. And he weighs about 190 pounds, which is pretty, which is pretty awesome. Um, this was before or after Josh was in train spotting. <laughs> this is during train spotting. I've, during I've been watching Spaced, and I was like, let's the thing is the hair, same haircut too. Um, and then Josh, you know, we we bonded. I don't think I think we. I think it's in L.A. Did we bond over girls? Well, <laughs> I think we were at the pool in L.A. and talking and bonding over the other girls at the pool. I believe that's a. Yeah, okay, well, yeah. I mean, that's that's a. That's all Connor talked about then. So just bonding. To be clear. Uh, no, uh, bonding. You came to bonding. stay. It was spring break. I was in Los Angeles for a semester, and you came to stay with with Simmons. Mm-hmm. And hang out with him, and so you guys were just in that apartment all the time. Because, yeah. and I thought it was really funny that you came to Los Angeles and then didn't want to go do anything in Los Angeles but hang out in the apartment. Well, I, I wasn't was like, twenty-one yet; you couldn't go do anything. I'm, and I'm a shut-in, so I was like, "Sweet, yeah. let's just sit here and fucking talk about Star Wars and boobs." It was good. But I, 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 I distinctly remember the first time you and I hang out together was we were at the pool at the Oakwood Apartments. Mm-hmm. And we were bonding over the other women at the pool. I don't I remember. I don't remember not being friends with you from the time I became friends with you. Yeah, no, you know we, I mean? we hit it off right away. Yeah, and and we have been. And it's funny because there are a lot of other people in that group. Uh, but you know, me and me and Connor and Ron are still the only ones who. Now let's let's not leave Paul out of this. I remember Paul. Did we first meet you at that party for the hundredth episode where where I Fred so. was? Fred was also there. Fred, yes. who's a very famous. Commenter on the iFanboy Revision Three forums, and he's like um, Norm from Cheers. Yeah, and yeah. so it was you and Fred, and we were at that bar in Midtown. I think it was um, the the uh, that Irish one? pub. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Irish yeah. Pub. And uh, we hung out downstairs, yeah. and we that's where we first sort of met with you. And you know, we all liked you eventually. Yeah, I got a <laughs> eventually. I remember no afterwards. I remember me and you were were talking a lot about like podcasting because I was doing Fuzzy Typewriter at that right. point. Still yeah. and and um. But we've known you know, from the posting. Yeah, from the posting, but that was the first but time. But we, we also you guys hit it off in person too. In though. person, and so yeah. I I remember coming out of um out of Penn Station, and I thought every bald person I saw was Connor, and I was like that so excited. That still happens to me. Like, yeah. And and then I finally saw you guys through the window, and then like Ron spotted me and was was waving me in, and you guys were working uh, like put you know getting the camera on the tripod and everything. And, you won, um, didn't you win something? I was wondering if you rigged that because you got No, no, we didn't. We had a we've I remember never that episode we had a we've never rigged anything. We had a uh, trivia contest and you won one of them. So yeah, there, there was go. there was there was like three winners or something and you could get, and we uh, I got like a guest certificate or something. I think we're drunkenly rambling at this point. <laughs> we've so let's never rigged on. anything. The iFanboy story. Wait, wait, he's got one more question and it's dumb, okay. but I'm going to answer it with one word. <laughs> What's the deal with Ron Sideburns? Luke Perry. Question 7. <laughs> yeah, Ron. Well, let's finish the question. What's the deal with Ron Sideburns? Like, if he had, he was such an Elvis fan, shouldn't he get an Elvis tattoo like Scott Snyder? A, Scott Snyder does have an Elvis tattoo. If you don't know that, Scott Snyder is a huge Ron's Elvis fan. He's an Elvis bust. Um, but Ron's tattoos are a homage to uh, Luke Perry, Sideburns. Dylan McKay, not Elvis, not Elvis in the least. No. Let's skip seven. Go to eight. Eight is Nathan from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Nathan says. This question is for everyone. Given that Ron moved on and I fanboy found a wonderful new third member in Paul. Thank you. Who, who would be your ideal new uh, member, real or fictional, famous or ordinary, if you were to leave? Would Paul have to be dead? What? No. Oh, if we were to leave. Sorry. Yeah. Third member, Paul, who would be? Well, let's, since I'm member. in the basement, let's talk about Paul being 
Anyway, if if you were, Josh, if you were to leave the show next month, who would you like to have replace you? You can't say Tom Caters. So who would that's you a, like to inflict upon us? That's a weird stay? question of who's who's going to replace myself, but I guess that's what he's asking. Yeah, he is. Um, I mean, honestly, who could replace me? <laughs> would, you, uh, would you want there to be someone totally different, or would you want to try to think of someone who would like fill whatever role? You do I think I think you have to have someone you, you need. The thing is that that's always worked about us, and I say this as, you know, not boasting, but we, you know, we've been somewhat we've successful. We've studied. We're fifteen-year media professionals. Is that we have different points of view and different interests. So, like when Ron left, we had to, you know, we there's a gaping Marvel hole that luckily Marvel filled itself with being having really good books. If I were to leave, you'd need like a DC hardcore guy, you know. If Josh left, you need a you need like a Entertainer, no, you need you need a guy who is going to make a joke. You do. You need. I mean, these are the elements that have worked. We had these different elements that came together, and you need like a funny guy. If Josh left, that's just. I mean, that's just the way I see it. Yeah. Um, Darwin Cook in the in the chat room. They say Darwin Cook could replace Josh, and I agree with him. He could. Wait, people often <laughs> compare you to Darwin Cook. Yeah. <laughs> you know who you remind me of? God, you wish. I am. No, I don't. He intimidates the shit. I know. I like him. I know him. We've talked. He still intimidates the shit out of me. Pick a person. There you go. Pick a person. Uh, can it be you. like a famous person? It can be famous or non-famous, according to the email. Famous Simon or Pegg. celebrity. Simon Pegg would play that. Simon Perfect. Pegg should be me. If you can, if you, if we can get Simon Pegg yeah. and it costs you leaving, I will sh- pack your fucking bag. I would just, I would go to just listen to that. <laughs> it would be fine. It would be totally cool. Paul, what about you? John Rassenberger. <laughs> you know, the, uh, the thing about Thor is... <laughs> I'll, then I'll say Richard Mall. It will be perfect. <laughs> we should, you know what? That should be our... We should, we should all have to be 80s TV people. Perfect. That should be the parameter. So I'm going to change mine to Harry Anderson. I'm just going to make gonna a note. I'm going to say that for you. <laughs> I'm going mean... an, to make a note here in the script that with question eight is when the beer really kicked in. Okay. I'm drinking, I'm drinking Lefe beer. No if anyone would wants know what I'm, I'm a lot. I'm a. I'm deep into it. We've reached beer point. So we've we've reached beer tipping point. Paul, can you read the next question? Which one is it? Nine. Nine. Adrian from Australia. Hey, Adrian. Uh, here's my question. Do you have a fave outright food or drink that you like to have while reading your comics? I love going down to my local cafe for breakfast and having eggs Benedict and coffee while reading my. Com- Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. La-di-da. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's like Michael Caine at the end of... Uh, I, um, I, don't, I don't like to eat with my comics because no. my hands get greasy. Right? It wasn't a problem for me with the books because I don't care about them, but with the iPad, it's a whole other thing. It's both. I mean, it's, it doesn't matter either one with the books or the yeah. iPad. My fing- fingers are all greasy. I usually... Uh, I do eat. I always used to like go to lunch by myself. Will you go to lunch? and read my comics, so what I would do is I just had a hand system. I would usually go for Mexican so I could just hold the food with one hand and work the comics with Mexican's the other. Mexican's way too busy. I mean, not busy, it's way comics. too messy. No, it's not. You just gotta get good. I, I remember, like, literally, and I would do this every week, I would set up my table, at, like, and I would have everything I needed with the food hand on one side, and then I'd move, like, I, I had a whole thing that I did exactly the same every time, because it just worked after trial and error. Okay, I don't have a eating with comics story, but I remember when Ron started saying that he read his comics while working out. Yes, I can't um, do that. I can't uh, read while I work out. I, I tried doing that, 
Um, but it was with an elliptical bike, and so I can't, I can't, like, I can't focus. With the comic, no. and I'm just like, and you it can't, wasn't. I can't focus. I can't focus on no. the words. Ron can't do one thing though at a time. <laughs> it's not possible. I um, I, um, I sweat I, a lot. That's not that'd be a bad. My normal routine is like we have a little balcony in our apartment, and I sit out on that, and I read them out in the sun. That's my routine. What's the so. now, what, what is that? What is what a balcony? The sun. The sun, yes. It's a place that California is abundant in sun. <laughs> Not so abundant in seasons and snow. Yeah, yeah. All right, Randy from Sioux Falls, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. He has one, two, three, four questions, so we'll take them one at a time. First one is, with your critical success of Before Watchmen and the Shade miniseries, is there another classic comics property that was, quote-unquote, off-limits that you would enjoy or like to see a revisited with the pr- proper creative team. Can you envision enjoying a new Transmetropolitan series without without the involvement of Warren Ellis? Someone other than Frank Miller taking on a Dark Knight Returns storyline? Who could convince you to buy something set in the Wild Last Man universe? Is there any team that would convince you to pick up a Preacher series? Sorry, Josh. No. If All it, those are no. But if there was a Preacher series, wouldn't you be morbidly curious and want to see here's, what here's, was going Here's on? the thing. The no. Shade was done by the guy who did the first one. And he yeah. thought... And that, clearly, that guy, that's a guy who had it written to the contract. No one gets to write Jack Knight again. No one gets to, yeah. It's totally important to me. And he decided he wanted to come back and write that character. And that's super good. Uh, that, that's why it doesn't work with this question, because Warren Ellis coming back to Transmetropolitan, I might be interested. Well, didn't... Well, but, yeah. You know, I, remember, I, remember, I remember when Mark Wade was coming back to write The Flash, and we were talking... Well, you guys were talking about, uh, can you come home again? Right. The answer was no. Not they should usually, put a gate yeah. up. <laughs> um, that's that's not how. Shouldn't come home how, again with the kids. That's that was that bad. was that was a odd situation. I, I don't. Before Watchmen's weird because I only enjoyed a couple of them, and mostly because they were Darwin cookbooks. And the, <laughs> cookbooks. You hear what you have recipes. is a Monte Cristo sandwich. His recipes are all very straightforward and and simple. Just meat, <laughs> meat and booze. A little potato here and there, but that's about it. Uh, you know, I, I mean, for the most, I'm sure there are exceptions, but really, for the most part, all those things that you you mentioned, like the best part about those stories, like uh, Transmetropolitan, uh, uh, Preacher, they ended. They had yeah. an ending. They were, they were a great stories. ending. Yeah. And that's what I loved about them. That's what I love. That's all my favorite Vertigo series have that. And and I don't, I don't, I'm, I do not want to go back. I'd rather read something else from those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to think of exceptions, and the one is, is the recent one is um, Tom Strong because I liked that book. But it's not, even though it's not. Yeah. I, I know it's not of that same. But did caliber, the original? But... Did the original one have a have an ending? No. Like if if Alan Moore wanted to come back and do more top ten, I'd buy that. I'd buy the shit out of that. But if another yes. writer wanted to yes. do top ten, no, no, yes, no, maybe no. depending. No. Next um, question. With Guy Davis providing the art on the recent Criterion Collection Blu-ray of Devil's Backbone, who else would you like to see do a cover? Artist and film, please. Like, what comic artist would you like to see do a film cover? Do you know what I'm saying? For, like, yeah. I know what you're saying. Like, uh, like, you know what I'm saying, Paul? Any, you know what I'm saying? Any, For, like, Criterion? Any artist to do any movie. Yes. Okay, well, no, let's, let's just let's narrow this down. What comic artist would you like to see do uh, your favorite Wes Anderson movie cover? Michael Allred. I wasn't asking you. You don't even like Wes Anderson. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't. So to do like a like a Rushmore, like if 
if they did yeah. a different if they did a different criterion. Think about Mike Over doing a Rushmore cover. No, that that doesn't not fit. Or Adrian to, to mine or something. Adrian to mine would work. Adrian to mine would work. Yeah. To mine, how many? Uh, Sean Phillips does some really good ones for Criterion. Yeah. yeah the one for uh, Twelve Angry Men. Oh, good one. Uh, Mike Mignola also did a lot. Everybody thinks that the uh, Devil's Backbone is Mike Mignola. It's actually Guy Davis, as as he said. Um, Mike Mignola did one for Kronos, uh, which is very nice. Yeah, love that. That I, just, I don't know why that isn't a print. For the, the Twelve Angry Men, Sean Phillips. And, and what Paul's talking about is, I'm showing the Twelve Angry Men cover in the chat that's, room. It's, that's Sean yeah. Phillips. Yeah, that's, that's Sean Phillips. Yeah. yeah, it's great. There's a, there's a guy who did one of those uh, sketch jams, you know, like like, like I think Neesman and uh, and all them have done uh, sketch jams, and they did all the Twelve Angry Men, and like uh, I know Gabe Hardman did like juror number one, two, three, four. Um, that was pretty that? cool. That was a cool idea. Juror number four was the guy with the glasses who doesn't sweat until the end. I love that movie so much. Yeah. It's a fantastic I just watched movie. it for the first time, so I don't know it. Did you enjoy it? It was incredibly engaging. It, wasn't it? It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies. I keep going through it with this is like this is the good, but this is the great part. This Every time you watch part. it, no, it's, it's you find something new in it. Yeah, That's I'm going to be doing a fuzzy typewriter on that very soon with uh, my buddy Cameron Rice. So okay, let's do this question number three. A lot of people have speculated what a comic book would make a good movie or television show, but let's reverse it. Which current television show would you like to see expanded into a comic book? Darwin Cook's Mad Men seems like a pretty obvious choice. Who would you like to okay. see tackle Breaking Bad? You know what my answer is going to be. My probably same as yours. No. no. Wait, wait, artist and no. writer. No. I, I, I have a hard time with. I think, I think a lot of. Hmm, a lot of it has to do with the acting, and the performances. It's hard to. I don't want to see Breaking Bad a comic book. I, I mean, the, the thing is, like, it's it's like anything. Like Watchmen works because it's a comic book. Breaking Bad works because it's a certain kind of TV show. And I just, like, this is the kind of question that, and there's nothing wrong with it because everybody asks these kind of questions and they ask them forever. Like, it just, it doesn't interest me. I, I don't know, like, the idea of transmuting the one thing into but the other. But if you had to pick something. That's, that's why the, I suck that's at it. I just, the point of it. it's just, just for fun. I right, pick one, for fun. one thing. For, okay, so I would, for Breaking Bad, I would have the, the, the guys doing uh, Southern Bastards over at Image. I'd have Jason mm. Aaron and Jason Latour. See, I I like I'd Breaking be okay Bad, with so. Jason Aaron writing a Breaking Bad comic. Probably. <laughs> so let's go to the fourth question, which is similarly based. What non-comic related thing came out in the last six months that you really enjoy? This can be a book, a film, a video game, a TV show, or whatever. I'm obsessed with Orange is the New Black on Netflix. I was just thinking about that. I was like, what about an Orange, is think, new Bla- Orange is the New Black comic? <laughs> I haven't watched it yet. I, it's on my queue. What, I'm obs- what I'm obsessed with is The Bridge on FX. It's, it's That's something I would probably enjoy. I haven't. It's I, I the show I look forward to the most. It's on. Uh, I, I, feel like I, I feel like I don't watch anything new. So when you say like what came out in the last six months, I don't see anything until it's older than that. So I'm gonna try to answer some. This isn't new, but in the last six months, I, w- I was talking about this today. I watched Looper, and I loved the crap out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is significant uh, because I hated Brick. I didn't finish it. And I typically do not like Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but I've decided to amend that, and it's everything Joseph Gordon-Levitt from Inception back. Mysterious Skin is like a biopic of your life, so you should check that out. Okay, that's Paul a joke for like two I, I people. Okay, what am I? What What are you into right a now? A new thing that I'm into right now. Pass. Skip me. I skip think. you. I'm well, there's there. no one left to skip you too. I'm, so. I'm watching Murder She Wrote on Netflix. That's what I do. <laughs> I'm watching. 
There are some new to me episodes of Murder She Wrote. I've actually I've never watched the Magnum PI crossover Murder She Wrote because <laughs> I kind of don't want that in my Cabot Cove. I don't I don't want the chest. But hair. first of all, there's no, you never not want Magnum in anything. I. I don't, I don't, I don't, see, I don't look at for new things. I usually wait to see what's going to be really good, and then I go after it then. But, like, I just started watching, like, I've gone through this British TV jag where I've been watching, like, all of the stuff I can find, all of the British sitcoms that are my kind of sensibility that I can find. Like, I, I did that with, through... with, I did that with Netflix without, but it was, like, the British crime stuff. Yeah. Really so I just watched well, through... speaking of that, people are talking in the chat room about um, Broadchurch. Which is my other obsession, but I didn't want to mention it because I figured internet jerks in the chat room would ruin the the mystery because it's only eight eight, eight episodes. It's already aired in the UK, but that oh, okay. is my also current obsession. It's wonderful. It's yeah. three episodes in in the U in the US right now. Like the thing I just I just rewatched um Saxondale, which is Steve Coogan's uh, other show. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not not Alan Partridge, which is one of the funniest things ever. But Saxondale, he's a he's a he's like a, a middle aged ex roadie. Who lives in like suburban England? It's the funniest thing on earth, I think. Uh, like that was the last favorite thing. I was like, why doesn't everybody love this? And I know why everyone doesn't love it, but that's that's my thing right now. People are mentioning Luther in there, and Luther that's not, is gonna season three will start soon. That's not new. I, I love. Yeah. I just I just started watching that again. Season too. three will start soon. Okay. It was the best thing I got. I got the Orphan Black season one Blu-ray, and I thought it was really not great. But they had the Luther Series Three trailer ahead of that, and I was like, "Cannot wait for that to come back." I love somebody, that show. Somebody just mentioned the hour. I really wanted to like that a lot more. I, 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 I fell off of it. I couldn't get I into did. it. It bored the snot. Same out of me. for me. All right, um, Josh, take twelve. Ah, uh, twelve. Scott, America's got powers. Sorry, that's our friend Scott. <laughs> America's got America's got powers. Number seven raises some interesting questions. Is it okay for a writer to add an issue at the end of a numerically pre-established miniseries? <laughs> Jesus. If, <laughs> can't contain my disgust. The I Just read story. it. If America's Got Power still has any fans, are the nails going to go across the chalkboard when they look at the cover of issue number five of six and then flip to see issue number six, seven, whilst grooming their collection? If there's more story to tell, is it more professional for the author to tell it by adding an issue to try to solicit a miniseries spinoff? Why can't comics professionals stick to schedules? Stories are organic, and therefore sometimes they make a decision to do it differently than they originally but had. Sometimes, and I sometimes like they, that they're idea. writing it and they realize there's more story. There's more story. This and is what I'm saying. That's exactly that's what he's saying. Yeah, no, I'm saying it's, it's, I'm saying it in a more elegant manner. Is that oh, there's more story to tell. The man slurring his words is, is helping you articulate your point, John. Yes. I don't. Um, no, I have no that's, problem with that. I, I don't know. I, I'm, and the reason that I say, like, I don't know that that would be a thing that would bother me ever. So I don't know how to know. Is is it okay? Sure, it's their creation. It's a thing they're doing, a story they're telling. They don't know anybody but themselves uh, to tell the story they think they need to tell. And if they decide halfway through, shit, we need another one. You know, another side of that would be like the the Wire season five. They got an order for ten episodes instead of thirteen. Like that's not okay, but they had to do it anyway. And they had to tell their story, and it didn't. It wasn't as good because of it. Now. The others, if the other side of that is going to be that the creators were like, hey, let's do one more. If you like it and it doesn't suck, sure, go for it. I don't see anything wrong with that. It doesn't bother me. The numbering certainly isn't going to bother me. No. Okay, a thing I enjoyed from the last six months that was not comics related was Pacific Rim. That was a really good movie. Um, okay. And I wish that I could have reviewed that because uh, that was better than a lot of the comic book movies that came out this summer. You said uh, you could. 
Huh? We said you could. When? I emailed you and said if you wanted it, because you were gushing about it on Twitter, I said if you want to review it, you know, go, go for it. I love robots. Paul, read 13. 13. Joe, a.k.a. Tagalog 3pip. G. Tagalog app. Rusty Auto Parts. Um, <laughs> explain something about the public domain heroes. Can you? Can anyone publish a comic of the Fighting Yank or the Terror with no problems? Can Alex Ross or Alan Moore take you to a court of justice? Uh... Public domain is a really sketchy thing, and it doesn't work the same in all countries as it does in in one country. So how it works in America is different than how it works in England, and so there can be all sorts of different things involved with that. And there's, you kind of have to know... Uh, there are definitely public domain things. See, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes is public domain, right? Yeah, see, there's yeah. there's a bunch of Sherlock Holmes comics. So you can do all sorts of stuff with that if you wanted to. There are other Ooh. characters like that. Um, there are some that you know people keep somehow finding a way to renew that copyright, like Marvel or DC do with their characters, which should by all or Mickey Mouse, which should by all rights be in the public domain according to the original uh, rules. And I'm I'm going to just point this out in case anyone isn't sure. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> so when you're in court, this is not something you could play. But the basic ideas are that are that. So after I think it was after like 50 years or something like that, the character goes into the public domain. Of course, uh, corporations have found all sorts of uh, loopholes and, and other ways to hold on to those copyrights so that other people. But can't it's, it's true. You, theoretically, you, you can publish a comic under with that character. If it's public domain. You can do whatever you want. It's public domain. So, right? I mean, that's that's. That seems to be the, that seems to be Dynamite's business model right now. Tell you something that works for Dynamite because you know they then don't have to lose anything from it. But you know, if I'm a creator, if I'm a person who's creating something, I'd want to create my own thing. Yeah. You know, Roy Thomas said that back when he was editor in chief of Marvel. So, and that's it's still true now, even more so. John uh, from Al- oh, okay. No, no, I was just right. saying an interest, another like an interesting legal wrinkle, and I don't remember where this came up, but someone talked about in the future we might not be able to include real life people, like list them in a book. Like you would have to come up with like an analog of a real person. So like if you mentioned like if you mentioned like Steve Jobs or something, like they're they're getting into like that stuff, the rights to be able to mention a public persona. I used to work. Uh, so did Connor. Uh, I used to work doing rights and clearances. Licensing. Uh, yeah. Licensing and things like that. There are people uh, who protect themselves in that way, both in life and after afterwards. Um, somebody like Martin Luther King is like that. Martin Luther King's name and image are copyrighted for some yep. reason. Uh, somebody like a lot of a lot of famous uh, people. Um, Mick Jagger or somebody like that. Like they're really protective about their image and things like that. And I don't. And all the rules are very wishy-washy. Like they're very malleable. Uh, this, so Disney they, Disney basically keeps changing the copyright rules. Right. And it applies to everyone at that point. It's tough. Yeah. Floating head Disney keeps I changing that, the rules. Like I think that we have talked enough about stuff we don't know. Jack John from Albuquerque, New Mexico, who's Johnny Flash and I fanboy says oh, of Mexico, all the gimmicks. Of all the gimmicks that comics have tried over the years, which ones do you secretly wish came back? Which ones do you hate with the heat of a thousand exploding suns? Personally, I've always had a fondness for chromium, I guess, covers. And I hate opaque polybags the way Wolverine hates non-alcoholic beers. He wrote chromimium. Chromimium. My water softener just kicked on. So So which which gimmicks do you secretly like? 
I like the uh, the X Men heads on the on the you know masthead thing. That's not a gimmick. Well, that's I like, like chromium covers. I I like uh, I like some variant covers. Yeah. I don't like them because they're variant covers, but I like the like a month in the when art. all of the yeah sometimes the, yeah I like the variants in the art, but more so the variants in the style. Mm-hmm. You know, like those months where you look and and like. Scotty Young's the one I keep thinking of, and that's an obvious one. But there's there's others like that. Like I liked that month that DC just did all the white covers with the the Stark sort of figure, and I thought that looked cool. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a bad one. Remember that in college when they had all the heads? Yeah, those close up of the characters' heads in the cover. I mean, yeah. I like gimmick covers like that. I like DC will do uniform covers every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I like those. I hate answer. crossovers. I, I hate crossovers that tie issues together and you have to start buying a series you weren't buying. Hate it. About, uh, plast- plastic rings that come with your book. You hate plastic rings? I did. I said, how about? Oh, okay. Bring it to the to the floor for conversation. That's fun. I think that was a problem for retailers because big retailers had no problem with it, but little ones, they're created like a, a little, a little uh, demand market. Next uh, question. Little guys always getting screwed. Uh, we're at 15? Pete. Pete, one, I'm reading comics to my 10-week-old daughter at bed, telling her what happens and doing voices. That's adorable. This is both so I can read to her and so I can still read some comics with less time on my hands. Any suggestions on the next stages of development and what I should read and share with her? Her name is Harper, and I was am really hoping for a Harper Row Robin. Uh, I'm going to go ahead as the only person who has children. Yeah, uh, and say I have no idea because my kid could not give less of a shit about comics, <laughs> uh, and that's not to say he doesn't like to read because he really does like to read. But I've given him a bunch of comics and he just does like he loves cars, like the the Disney, and I've gotten him a bunch yeah. of cars, comics, and books. He just doesn't care. Uh, did and maybe just, that's like, did you, did you like go through and like show him like you read this and then it's, can you, you read? know what? He can't, no, he can't read. Does he? How old, does he see color? Yes. Okay. Uh, I don't like, know how it works. about my kid being colorblind? <laughs> no, I'm saying, does he see any color or, like, isn't that a I'm thing just, with babies? Honestly, I think that... Uh, he's not a that baby. A, a comic book page... No, he's a I don't know what a baby is. A, a comic book page is actually pretty complicated. And most kids' books and the stuff that he's looking at right now is basically a panel of page. Maybe two. Okay. Uh, and I think that it's a little advanced. Well, the thing he's okay. reading to his kid right now at ten, you know, that's probably just interesting to look at. But eventually, the kid's gonna be like, I don't want to look at this. I want to look at another thing. At well, least ten years while. old. I mean, that's pretty. I was ten reading week. ten week. Oh, ten week old. Ten week. That is now. That that's... is that is livestock at this point. You yeah. Feed them <laughs> and clean them, and that's it. There's not, no there's no lights yet. You know. Yeah. Um, nothing. Nothing I, going on upstairs. I, I will. I will go ahead and change it around a little bit, though. That my everybody when I had my kid was like, "You're gonna give him comics. You're gonna do this." I'm not pushing any of that stuff on him. It's around if he wants it. It's the stuff he liked. I've bought him some Captain America toys, and he just doesn't care. And I don't want him to hate the thing. Like I don't want to be that dad who's mad that his kid doesn't play football. So, whatever he wants to like is fine. Stuff's around. Kid loves books. Kid when he's ten weeks old, and it was it would be okay. You said a kid is livestock up until like a certain age. They kind of are. You just have to take care of them. They don't really do anything. Livestock's probably the wrong word, especially if you've watched Oz. Eat them? No, but they just don't. It's like a modest proposal. They're useless. They just they look cute, and other than that, they're just work. They're not giving anything back. I just want to make sure we're covered. And what kind of signs I'm going to see outside my window tomorrow? You, morning. you have report. You've repeatedly threatened to take me to the authorities over my child, and I want <laughs> you to know that I do not appreciate it. 
You had him riding a motorcycle the other day on Instagram. He it belonged to a cop. All right, next question, Paul. Read it. What number? Sixteen. Sixteen. Marco from Toronto, Canada. As I continue my slow creak towards middle age, I've become hyper-aware of my bad comic habits. All too often, we slip into a comfort zone with the art forms we enjoy. To counter this, I'm constantly trying to push my old stubborn self into areas of comics uh, he doesn't always want to travel to. Often, this means straying into uncharted and overwhelming areas far away from the comfort of my favorite writers, genres, artists, eras, or even publishers. One of the many things I love about your show is how broad all your reading habits are. Uh, except for the lack of anime, Paul. Time to fire up some anime explodes, please. And how uh, open you all are to covering anything from fringe to cape without being dismissive or snobbish about either. So my question is, in an age of so many, many comics, how do you guys approach the challenge of growing as a reader and continuing your studies of the form? And please don't just say read everything. I disagree. I don't do that at all. I'm, I'm honestly, I'm the opposite. Like, I feel like I've really honed the kind of thing that I like. And so I know how to look for that because I find the choice out there to be overwhelming. There is so much stuff, but I kind of know the kinds of things I want to look for, and you can see uh, you can see patterns in say design aesthetic or or the kinds of stories. Like I I I don't I'm not so into supernatural stories, so I look for and I check out anything that is a not supernatural comic book story. I will <laughs> test you know whatever I know. I'm the, I'm just opposite. no. But, it's... Like it's the same Reasonable. thing. Like if you, I don't like horror comics. I don't read them. But every once in a while, someone says one's really good. I'll check it out. Like you, you can, there can be outliers. There can be lock and key or something like that. I, I, I mean, that's what I find. I, I don't feel the I don't, I don't feel the need to try to test a billion things. I feel like I went through that phase already, and I'm old now. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that it's that quantifiable. You know, I think we just we look for good stuff. But I think Whether... that we've spent so much time thinking about it and writing about it and analyzing that you you do get to be I don't know if it's art but I know what I like. Paul, well, how do you how do you figure I, out? I, I okay so you know like like Josh I know sort of what writers and it's it's not necessarily what genres I like it's what writers and artists maybe I like. So I will of course gravitate towards those. But then since I've come on the show and have to talk about comics each week I'm trying to be conscious of not talking about the same things every time. Although yes. I did pick Indestructible Hulk Roll your eyes at me. Um, so, didn't love the last issue. Didn't love the last issue. Should the have. Cowboys? I should have, right? Yeah. The art was fantastic, it was, but I didn't love it. It was clear, man. But no, but um, I know I try to look for things like I, I do actively try to yes. look for something different that I might not normally pick up. Um, I think we all do that, but you definitely do that. You've met it. I've actually, you know, now that you're saying it, I've definitely noticed you doing that. Um, and we will talk, we will talk ahead of time. Like we'll be like, read this, you know, yeah. like you'll like this. We know, we know what each other will like. Right. But you know, we also we have access to a ton of stuff, you know, that we can just. That's the thing. Like having all that access to it, I was like, well, what looks interesting this time? And um, I don't want to make the same exact pick every time, or, or or select the same things for every show. So I was like, this is something that we haven't really talked about, and it could. And some of those times, I'm really glad that, uh, you know, I didn't have to plunk down money for that. Um, and it just it's a it's a failed experiment. It's it's probably that more often than not. Um, but every once in a while you find something that's it's a you know a diamond in the rough and it's and it's great. So 
I just I just want to look better than you guys on the show. Like I want to I want to be the guy with uh you know the the, the diverse choices in in books. Well, we still this is somewhat related the to the next, maker. the next question from mm. John from Woburn, Massachusetts, who says, uh, "Do you guys still get excited for Wednesdays?" Hmm. I do. I totally do. It uh, you know especially when there's good comics out. Like when when I know there's a new Thor coming out, I'm psyched. To get to the store through the next, you know, I'm I, I still get totally excited for Wednesdays. I like the stories. If I didn't get excited for Wednesdays, I probably wouldn't do this anymore. I don't know if Wednesday is the right word. Because uh, I tend to look at Wednesday as a time where I have to mainline a shitload of comic books, but I still get excited. In fact, I get more excited for like Marvel comics now than I have in forever. Mm-hmm. And I think, but not in the same way. I just think there's some great talent. That's uh, that's the thing that I continually get excited about. Is I really like to either be in the middle of a really great ongoing story or discover something like that. That just looking at great art is the thing that excites me. And when mm-hmm. I say art, it's I'm mean, sort of all encompassing about about the thing when when story and art work together, which is what a comic book is. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Is it, for me, do I get excited to have a big stack of comic books? Not necessarily. Right, I, I'm I'm not excited about Wednesdays. I'm just I'm consistently aroused. <laughs> no, I'm, no, I'm always I'm always excited about like oh, you know, down there, love. different day like like a new Private Eye comes out or someone's I I I love that there's a there's a, a constantly flowing conversation online about comics and and people having you know debating you know the artist role in in, in storytelling and, and things like that whatever and I I love that being. Ongoing. As long as there's good stories, I'm excited for them. You know, when things aren't going well, you don't get it so much excited. But you know, there's so much good stuff. When there's a new Hawkeye out, or there's a new Thor or a new yeah. Batman, I'm excited to get the next chapter. You know, the Private Eye I, or I, Saga. I, I I get that in moments, and I I got it I got it when I was starting to read Wonder Woman this week, and I was just like, Jesus, Cliff Chang. Right. Like God, he this guy has got it. You know, this guy is, you know, I get I get that a lot. You know what? Actually, this you know what I did this morning? I was sitting in bed because. My son woke up really early, or something like that, and I, I had um I had the Spider Men trade yes. on my yeah. iPad that Connor's been telling me to read forever, mm-hmm. and and so I finally like because I gave the first issue like a like a middling review basically because the first issue was a middling issue, mm-hmm. but and I've had it and I've been sitting I started to read it and I was like halfway through it and I'm like this is great it's great this it was a great so series. much fun that kind of thing excites me that doesn't necessarily have to be a Wednesday like I can still absolutely enjoy the art form form yeah. that's what I get excited for all right let's uh, jump ahead to number 21 this isn't ever clear at all 21 21 this is just water 21 oh, 21 20, 21 whoa let's skip it along Johnny says I'm currently going to college and my pull list has been cut dramatically when you guys were in college how did your pull list look Paul, I, I don't. I, uh, when I was in college, I didn't have a pull list. Hmm. I actually went to different comic shops each week, depending on where I was. Interesting. My my class thing went to Fat Jack's comic shop in now, Center City. Connor, you were you were reading everything back then. In fact, I only started buying oh, in my goodness. senior year of college, but you bought. I, all the time I, certainly, I certainly wasn't reading as much as I'm reading now. Well, yeah, but that's um, comics were cheaper then. They were cheaper, but also, I just wasn't reading as much. I was probably reading probably half as much as I'm reading now. But yeah, that's about right. I had a yeah. job. 
Yeah, here's the thing. I have I'm old now. We've mentioned that a couple of times. The idea of being a poor college student uh, is a bit of a misnomer. I think. Uh, and, and well, I we, where we lived, it was really cheap. In Ithaca, New York, it was yeah. cheap to buy the, things. The thing is, like, you don't have actual bills. You have what you think are bills, but right. it's not even close. So, like, you just need money for. I didn't drink, so I all I needed money for was pizza and comics, really, and like some gas. I drank for you. Yeah, you know, and I I had a credit card and. Okay, I didn't have a car, so I didn't need the, the gas yeah. money. So. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a, I had a job, and I paid for my comics with my job money. And ding, I yeah. probably didn't. Yeah, okay. Ding. I, I had a job. I had a job all through college. So. How did I do that? So let's. I was try making a lot of money senior year. That's right. Uh, twenty-three. Josh. Uh, Eric or Big E, at the risk of giving away a multi-million story idea, ah, I've got a question for you. Like uh, in, in your ah, in your recollection. Have there been many story arcs, any story arcs that take a look at Clark Kent actually learning how to be a journalist? Or That's a great idea. Or maybe some insight into what he, as Clark Kent, actually enjoys about his job. I know that this his job probably serves as a plot device more than anything, but I wonder if any cool stories exist, for example, of his college days. I know what you guys are going to say. Go ahead. What are we going to say? I don't think so. I, well, you guys just did a show on Superman Birthright. Yeah, but and he I wasn't really learning to be a journalist. In that and that's not really no, but, Clark Kent. But it did... It did like the first issue was really about him wanting to be a journalist. Yeah, but it wasn't like anything. he learned. I think he just he's just always been a journalist. He was just one of those people. It was a very yeah. modern idea. A lot of it is a conceit. A lot of it is a conceit to have him be in a place where news happens so he can go save people. I think they cover that kind of stuff usually in like a one shot or like, yeah. you know, an adventures of Superman kind of story. I think they've done a little bit of that. Like talking about his day and reporting duties and stuff you like know, that. You know what was a really good story about that? That first issue of Astro City. Yes. Yeah. Where the guy is a is a reporter. And, Ding. and how he covers it. I, I know that that's not exactly the answer you were looking for, but that's the best I've got. All right, next question I think Josh is definitely suited for. Ken from Madison Heights, Michigan says, We're all fans of superheroes. I'm pretty sure we're all fans of music, so I've got a silly question that combines both. If the Avengers started a rock band, who would play which instrument? I gave this a lot of thought the other day, six hours and 13 minutes if you're counting, which is a good amount of thought. Okay. And I see it break out like this. Iron Man is producer-manager, Captain America as the lead singer-vocalist, Thor lead guitar, Captain America rhythm guitar, Hawk, I'm sorry, Captain Marvel rhythm guitar, Hawkeye bass, Hank Pym fills in occasionally, Black Widow keyboards, backing vocals, and Hulk on drums. What do you guys think? What about the Young Avengers, X-Men, and Justice League, etc.? Okay, hey, hey, yeah, I like I like the lineup that he picked. I like that mm -hmm. he stuck it with the the comic or the movie one. I think that's that's good. That works for now. Um, I'd have to move it around. I think a bit. Thor is not a lead guitar guy. Thor no. is either drums a, or bass. Yeah, drum. He's a, I see him as a bass player. Yeah, like he's yeah. holding that rhythm down. Can you answer this question as Eddie Vedder? Hulk is. No, I, yeah, we, we I don't want you to see my face when I'm doing it. We can definitely do that. No, see, now Hulk, Hulk is, is going to be is the, the drummer. That, because he's he's got the the beats. And then over on lead guitar is Clint Barton. I think he's he's got he's got attitude, uh, rhythm. Yeah, he does. Rhythm is going to be I, I Now Eddie, if you're not singing, who else would sing? Black Widow Black Widow's on vocals. Ooh, yeah. Uh, she can go into different ooh. accents. Nothing hotter than the girl band. Someone in the chat suggested Black Bolt on vocals. 
He would, he would blow the doors off the place. It's <laughs> the stupidest thing I've ever said. <laughs> Just easily the dumbest thing. That's a funny uh, joke. Uh, <laughs> um, well, did we cover all the people? I mean, like, yeah. I think. Well, so you mostly agree with his numbers. You just would change Black Widow to the lead singer, and you'd get rid of Thor. As who would be the so? If, I don't think Hawkeye, Hawkeye's playing lead guitar, and Thor's playing bass. Cap, okay, first of all, Iron Man isn't producer manager. Iron Man is the guy who is on. He's like uh, Iron Man owns the label. Uh, no, Iron Man is like Johnny Greenwood. In Radiohead. What the fuck is that? It's my Thor hammer. I'm having fun. Oh, okay. Johnny Greenwood in Radiohead is the guy that started off as the sort of kooky lead guitar player, but now he can play like any sort of electronic instrument that he puts together, and he's got this plug all that stuff. Uh, like he's that guy. He's putting together a bunch of sounds, and he's making things. Like he's he's like producer, uh, 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 instrumentalist, but he got away from what you know, just the regular instrument. Right. Captain America's not. Captain America's like a like a. He's like a rhythm guitarist. He's not a lead man. Yeah, no, no, I don't see him as. I mean, he's he he's he a leader in the field, but not. He'd be too shy in the. Yeah. What yeah. kind of music would, would the, they play? I mean, it's it's America. They're rock and roll. Classic rock. Okay. Yeah. But but like but like with a. Like like an edge that you like still Slipknot. To. Yeah, Slipknot exactly. They have masks. I mean, you know, there right. you go. Paul, twenty-three. We just did twenty-five. I'm sorry, twenty-five. Twenty-five. Matthew Pimslap, one of my favorite usernames. May it, that's offensive. I'm sorry. May I ask you what you know about the state of the Daily Bugle in 2013? Is the fictional paper going out of business? They've been printing a banner that reads "Final" all year. What could it mean? Um, this is a, this not is an actual answer. newspaper. Uh, "Final" is a throwback to when there used to be multiple papers in a day. So you'd have a morning edition and you have a late edition. And the late edition was the final edition. And so it would say final on the cover. And whoever does graphic design for Marvel, and I did notice this after reading this email in some of the other paper, in the comics, is that uh, they should whoever does the graphic design should probably take that out because there aren't any final editions anymore. It's just uh, the paper. So it's a holdover from when there were two papers, a morning edition and a late edition. Wow, that was a way dorkier answer than I was expecting. Well, I'm a, I come from a paper it's family. Some, it's some guy named Maury who's worked there since Flo is in the office. Yes. Okay. Uh, 26. Morgan from Birmingham, Alabama. I think I've been uh, on since 200 or so. Discovered you guys through the video podcast on TV a few years back. Miss Ron, but Paul's doing a good job. Good job, Paul. Yes. Speaking of Ron, can you explain to the viewers, we're not viewers, the significance, the significance of Back into the Left and why you use it in the opening of all the Milestone shows? Will this continue now that Long Island Hardcore Ron is out? Back into the Left was the song we used in the very first episode. The podcast. Oh, so, that's not the theme music. No, no, that's, no, uh, that's never, never in. in. Okay. In the 101. Back in the left is is uh, by Texas is the reason, and we use oh, that in the very boy. first episode, and so the, because of that we use it in all of our milestone episodes, which you probably heard in the beginning of this one too. So uh, that's the simple reason, and it will continue to use it even if Ron is not here. Having having never listened to one of these, I did not know that. There you go. Oh. Next next one. Josh. Uh, set 27. Brian. Yep. Brian. The comics and comic scene of the 90s often get a bad rap, but I think a lot of good came out of the decade. Which of these 90s developments do you think is the most important to the present and future of comics? The rise of oh. creator-owned comics? The new era of superhero movies starting with Blade and X-Men? The beginnings of the internet fandoms? Post-Marvel bankruptcy? Or something else that you remember from the era? The comic book stuff is the 2000s. So, that doesn't count. Or the movie stuff, I mean. The movie um, stuff? Yeah. Okay. It's creator-owned. Yeah. It's, the, it's the easiest answer. 
Uh, it's a yeah. dream that has existed for a really long time that finally took its first big steps uh, in the in the late 80s. Like it's it, it toddled around in the late 80s and in the 90s was artists taking control of their work, uh, and that is going to be the story going forward. Not necessarily in a way that you can see, but in a way that creators are not going to give their ideas away in the way that they did ever before. It's too they're too valuable, and they don't want to give them away. So um, we'll see writers who sign on with Marvel and DC to tell their stories, uh, but but hold back the good stuff. I think it's important. I don't, I don't know if it's more important than post bankruptcy Marvel, though. I can't. I can't. What does that mean, post bankruptcy Marvel? Well, they came out of it. It's where Joe Quesada and Jimmy Palmiotti remade the company into a very creator-focused company. They brought on Garth Ennis. They brought on Brian Bendis. But that's. I feel like that's over. It's not. It's still continuing with Jason Aaron and Matt it Fraction. Is, it and is Jason to a Jason certain Tom extent. Well, they focus very. They focus very strongly on those personalities and those creators, whereas DC focuses on the characters. Yeah, but I bet as as time goes on, that gets a. But the the thing is that that talent stable is really small. Now, like it doesn't matter. Writer, I mean, I think the point is they, they they sort of shape the. Uh, I don't know. The point is that a bunch of those things are important. I think sure. you can you can point to a couple of them. Uh, Ali says the X Men cartoon, and I agree. I it think that important. yeah, that happened. Like Connor and I were the wrong age for that. Really, I, I hated I hated that cartoon. Yeah, and, yeah, see, and I thought I, I, but, I, I thought it was amazing, but I'm never going to go look at that. Call. When we first started doing this show, though, that was the main thing that people who were slightly younger than us said got them into comics. Yeah. Yeah. Easily. Totally. Yeah. All right. Adam? Yep. Uh, Adam from Washington, England, pretty close to Geordie territory, as in Garth Ennis' stories, not LaForge. That Garth Ennis was from Northern Ireland. No, the Geordie's from the, the, the battlefields. Oh, right. Tankies. Oop. Get up the, uh, oop the spoop. Yeah, exactly. After nearly 30 years of... I'm not doing that accent. After no. nearly 30 years of collecting comics, I finally decided to buy a page of original art. A really, really nice piece by Brian Hitch. What original art have you bought, and what is on your lottery win wish list, i.e. unlimited funding? Oh. Paul, do you have any uh, pages? Any pages. I have more... The most recent stuff I got was Moritat Spirit pages. Oh, right. You, uh, I remember that. Yeah, which are crazy because they're the size. He does two pages on a single piece of like printer paper. It's ridiculous. It's not the same size as you know original artboards that we're used to seeing. Um, I have that. I have. Um, if anybody in the chat is watching uh, behind me, I think you can see a, uh, one of Jamie McKelvey's last pieces of original art that he did, not on like a Cintiq, so actual paper uh, from I don't remember. It was that Avengers thing. Remender did some of it. Did you buy a Hardman page? At one point? Yes, I do have a Hardman yeah. page. Uh, it's from um, Avengers uh, Agents of Atlas versus Agents of Atlas. Right, 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 yeah. And so it's got, like, you know, Gorilla versus Hulk stuff. Um, um, yeah, and then I have, like, sketches and commissions and things, but those are my I, original. I haven't pages. bought any pages in a while because my walls got full and childhood, and I put it into my bike and stuff like that, but... I I got I kind of covered a lot of the art that I wanted to like on my wall I've got uh I've got a page from Transmetropolitan I've got a page from Box Office Poison I've got a page from uh Darwin Cook page from Jonah Hex uh that my that my wonderful friends uh got for me um and I have <laughs> the last page I bought was uh from an issue of Next Wave it's a Stuart Eminent page of All Captain right, America, yeah. Captain America breaking a toilet <laughs> and it's so it's like there are other pages I would want I'd love to have a 
like a lark page someday or yeah but i don't know i i feel like that's a hole i don't want to fall into i wanted to have a couple of things it's but a deep it's hole a, yeah well this is a lottery thing this is like if you so, could just so the the uh, the answer is if you, you have want any a kirby page, page exactly if you can have any page i would want a kirby page uh yeah. full stop i'd want i'd want a captain america kirby page that's yeah. what i would want yeah for me, it would be it would be like a Walt Simonson like Thor mm, page. Nice. Um, I would also like a uh, James Stokoe like Orkstein page because those are nuts. Like one of the like double page spread kind of things. After Connor, I have a different addendum. I uh, I have a Darwin Cook Jonah Hex page. I have a I have a Jeff Lemire Jonah Hex piece, which wasn't a page, but it was his proposal to do an issue of Jonah Hex. They wanted to see his art. So I have that, and there's a Fables cool. page, and there's a G.I. Joe page. Um, so I have four. Not a, not a ton, but I have four. And, Who did the uh, G.I. Joe page, do you know? I don't, I don't even know what comic it's from. It's something that actually a, a listener okay. sent in to yeah. us. Oh, cool. It's pretty awesome. Nice-looking page. It's a good page. Um, I, think, I, I think I have to agree with Josh. If I had if unlimited budget, I'd buy, want to buy a Kirby page. Or, a, yeah. I mean, they don't exist, but like a Bill Finger page or a Jerry Robinson page yeah. or a cover. I, 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 if you wanted to keep it a little, I'd, it'd be cool to have a new Frontier page. Yes. They, they were selling them that one time we were at their con, and they were quite pricey. More yeah. recently, uh, and you saw Rebic, uh Thor God Thor. of Thunder. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I wonder what those look like. Um, it's funny is that you'd yeah. think that the first answer would be uh, Preacher. When I was... Uh, you had a, there's a Preacher page in your house. Wait. Like a, so I was going to say, like a decade ago, my roommate Tom went on this buying spree, buying cheap preacher pages, because they were everywhere. And he had, like, a bunch of them, and they were literally, they were tacked up on the walls of our apartment. They, just, they were? They just stuck them everywhere. And because of that, like, the idea of them is incredibly devalued. And the other thing is that, like, I love that book, but, like, he drew them with ballpoint pen and Sharpie. Like, yeah. They were not good-looking original, but he didn't look at it and go, wow, look at the work he's done now. You're like, wow, he just didn't even bother. Yeah. And it worked in the end, but like, yeah. that's why that's not my first answer, and it should be, because as we all know, Preacher is my favorite thing. I remember seeing those when I used to come visit. All right, let's go to the number uh, 30, Josh. Uh, Alistair from Scotland, what is the closest you've come to dropping your favorite book and why? I, have, I already have. Historically speaking, Detective was my favorite book, and I dropped that a couple of times. I dropped it twice in the last year. Yeah, I don't have an interesting answer to that one. I I will drop. I I don't have like I don't have a book that like I have to. Re I I have runs that I like. Yeah. I don't have a series that. You don't have a traditional favorite I'm, series. Not really. I just I. I've I have characters that I love. I have creators that I love, and I have runs that I love. But I don't. Right. So I'm the only one. That's fine. I would say that. I mean, if you look at like Hellblazer, I mean that it didn't stop. It just sort of rebooted, and that one that didn't stop that one. So that's probably the closest. Fables, I stopped. After you dropped Fables. You did. A hundred something fucking tons of issues. So. What is that noise? All right, that, that's a good. Jesus. Move on to the next question the, from the, from that there's a Google Hangout asking me if I was still here. Sorry. Eric wants to know, my question for you is a timely one and has been burning up the interwebs this past week. Did Batman kill the Joker at the end of Alan Moore and Brian Ballin's killing joke? Oh. I have my own thoughts on this, which are firmly planted in the realm of give me a fucking break. There's no way Batman killed the Joker. 
But there have been some compelling theories concerning this, the best being that during the fight with the Joker, the Batman can be seen staring at his hand right before he punches the Joker in the gut. The theory being that Batman had found one of the Joker's poison needles during the fight and used it on him. Then a few pages later, if the Joker tells his final joke, shares the laugh of the Batman, succumbs to the poison and dies in Batman's arms. What do you think? Did Batman kill the Joker? And also, Drew wrote in the same question, but he said, to me, I never got the ending until Morrison gave his opinion. What do you guys think of the suggestion? What do you guys originally think of the ending? So, the, so for backstory, because anyone doesn't know, uh, Grant Morrison gave an interview this past week where he said that the ending of The Killing Joke was obvious. It was that the Batman uh, kills the Joker. And the other backstory to this is that... Um, I think specifically Grant, you know, that he snaps his neck, and that's why right. he stops laughing, and that's what you're seeing in the, right. the, the puddle. Yeah. Now, the, the, the other backstory is that people who worked at DC at the time are saying that... Uh, Originally, Killing Joke, for people to know, was was an out-of-continuity Batman story. It wasn't re- part of the continuity. It was just Alan Moore Batman. It was supposed to be the final story. You know, it was the final Batman and Joker story. Uh, the Batman editorial then, unilaterally, from, from the pe- people have been saying, brought it into continuity, thus sort of negating the whole point of the story. Um, I, as a kid, I always thought it was very nebulous. You know, it was a very dark ending. You know, if, you, if you've ever read it, it ends with the, the light flashing and then it stops which plays into earlier but i don't i don't not buy it i think he could very well have killed him if you take it as an original context as the final story i don't as not a part of continuity i haven't read it in a while but my first instinct is that alan moore is literally the most meticulous writer in comics history yeah so if it's ambiguous it's ambiguous for a reason Right. And so there probably is no answer. You know, he wants you to read it however you read it, especially if it was supposed to be on its own. And that's that's without looking. I'm trying to look. It's not on the DC app, so I can't look. Right. But it's, I, I mean, it, it makes sense. His Morrison's point makes sense. And I, as a kid, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, if you read the story as, a, as its own thing, apart from continuity, it, in, in, in the context of the structure of the story, the joke and the fact the light stops, it makes sense that he killed him. Uh, I, I see people talking online about how, well, it, it, Joe, the Batman would never kill him because that means he'd lose the Joker, but I think that point of the story is that one of them has to die. You know, it's very similar to the, the Dark Knight Returns in that sense, you know. I be- and it, it's funny because that's the one that, that Moore doesn't like that story. Like, he thinks it's no. terrible. Yeah. So maybe... Well, he's just about almost everything he's written that people like. Yeah, but, you know, he doesn't talk like that about Watchmen. You know, like he, yeah, he probably would if he. I don't know, but I, I think when I when I first read it, I thought that it was it was like sort of a statement, sort of like the uh, the Neil Gaiman sort of um, epilogue to to the death of the Batman R.I.P. thing. What was it? Whatever happened to the Cape Crusader? Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is sort of about the cyclical nature of like a Batman and Joker story, and like I mean, the Batman and Joker. It's it, I mean, it's like you know. Uh, Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, and I thought it was supposed to be like I don't know, like sort of it was like a like a record loop or something. And then I, but I, the the big takeaway was that it's ambiguous and it's and like Josh said, I think I I, I understood that it was supposed to be ambiguous. Um, and I totally buy that you could say that he's killing him there or or not. I love I like he's, that it's ambiguous. I'm I'm yeah. I'm down yeah. with ambiguous. Mm-hmm. I mean I I couldn't give an answer either way. I think there's you know, I read it when I was probably way too young, just like Watchmen, but not not, not Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns. Um, but you know, I probably thought back then he could have been. I mean, that's sort of the implication, I think. Mm-hmm. Right. 
But I think that's it's left to the reader. Like a now lot I have of the to great. read it again. Yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, obviously. So, did the Batman kill the Joker? Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> Let us skip to uh, thirty-five. Someone take thirty-five. Jackie from Queens, New York. Number one, top five favorite Marvel Now titles. Thor. Okay. Avengers Arena. Young Avengers. Uh, Uncanny Avengers. Daredevil. Is it like a family feud kind of thing? We have to all agree on a top five, or do we each get a top five? I think those are going to be fairly... It's hard. Top five is hard. So where are we? Thor is definitely... Thor is definitely in all of our fives. Is Avengers Uh, Arena? Avengers Arena is mine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so there's Uncanny Avengers? Uh, It's in mine. Uh, Yeah. Indie Hulk? But there's also Daredevil. Daredevil there's beats also Daredevil. Young Aven- there's Young Daredevil Avengers. Marvel now? Yes. Is it? Yep. It's Marvel. There's, it's Marvel now. Marvel is now is all of Marvel. Marvel, yeah. Marvel now? Okay. All it's right. basically Daredevil. one of them. You, you should know this. I should. <laughs> um, Young Avengers. Yeah. All New X-Men. All New X-Men is really good. All New yep. X-Men's good. But I would... Yeah, I, you think about... New, List I, Marvel I now titles. We just Deadpool... No, it's not top five. Uh, yeah, it's like that's sort of it's not totally consistent. The end of that becomes uh, I'm shocked at how much I like it. Right? What? Right as I'm agreeing with you. Okay. I think we got five in there. Thor, God of Thunder. Yeah, Thor. Uh, see, all okay. the X Men to me is it's funny because like I don't want to like it, but it's really composed like potato chips. I just it is. I just keep wanting to read it, really and good. so it's good in that really sense. Good. But I don't find myself like that's amazing. But it it kind of is. Oh, we didn't mention Hawkeye. <sighs> Hawkeye. Hawkeye. What yep. a weird place for Marvel to be. I I, can't, I I mean I like Avengers Arena being in there because it's that's the like the new new thing. Like it's yeah. it's a really new idea. Well, I mean, other, it's, other it's, than the two things it's based on, right? Yeah. I think I think the point is that there's a lot of great books for Marvel right now. Yeah, That's the I mean, like it, I could even you could even make a Caps uh, Rick Remender's Captain America. You could even make an art, uh, you know, yep, an argument absolutely. for that. Like it's okay. Ding. All right. So next two, Connor and Josh. Did you guys? Wh- what did you guys think of the Wolverine? Or did I you get to it? it? Didn't, didn't see it. it. Okay. Nothing. Okay, nothing. Yeah. Nothing made me want to. Okay. I, I really wanted to. I just didn't got a chance yet. Iron Man of Steel. Just saying, it's good. Well, that's kind of movie. Three. Paul, since taking over from Ron at the Pick of the Week podcast, what have you learned so far? What surprised you? The bodies. <laughs> There's like Steve from Maryland. Do you feel? No, you no, 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 no. What have you learned so far, Paul? Now that you've jumped from writer to iFanboy, what have you learned? What's the biggest? How cheesy answer. I'd... How not like intrusive into my life it is. Not that I have one anyway, but like it. I was like, talk. Do this every single week, but I look forward to it. And we talked about that before I started, was that it's like of all the things we do, it's your you guys, it's your favorite thing. You look forward to it the most. And getting to have these conversations. And um, I don't, it's not that I was like shocked that it's so much fun. It's just that um, it fits so nicely into into my week and is such a, um, a natural part of my routine now. It is a great way to end the week. Yeah, we usually do it on Friday, and it's it's like talking about my favorite things with my favorite people, and, the, and, and then a, a lot of other people are gonna listen. And we get to have fun. It's 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 the best. Mm-hmm. It wasn't 
question for Anything you. Anything else, Paul? You learned about Josh's propensity for hobos? No. I mean, what did I learn about myself? That I'm <laughs> really open to questions of eugenics. Um, <laughs> you apparently are. Here, <laughs> apparently I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a real answer about Paul. Okay. Paul is a lot harder to make laugh than Ron was. <laughs> and it plagues me to no end because that was my secret on that sh- on the uh, when Ron was there my secret was to say some dumb shit to make Ron laugh all of a sudden shows better and it's it's harder in that sense because I don't I can't unlock your secrets Montgomery <laughs> he's tough I'm not big on comedy I don't like it <laughs> no, I, I find it offensive when people try to be funny usually it bothers me <laughs> so but you got you I hate me I ch- I chuckle internally at your jokes, or like sometimes later. <laughs> it doesn't work for the show so much. But yeah, you know what, Josh? Try- Josh tried really hard this week. That was pretty good. I should have laughed. Then, I by the way, that's when I'm the least funny is when I try really hard. Oh yeah. That's Josh. I- jump yeah. to through to thirty nine. Thirty nine, Mikey from New York. Hey, Mikey. What's it gonna take to get some female superhero movies out there? You're gonna you're gonna have Flash before Wonder Woman? Come on. Because the origin is too hard for people to understand. Awful, like the Jets QB, just awful. Give me some female superheroes. You think they could make a movie right now and actresses who could play them? They, they could do it. You know what? What? what come on, what do you do? Um, when, when guys down in the garage uh, know that I, I write about comics and I do the podcast and everything, they always like to ask about the comic book movies. And my favorite anecdote to talk about is the fact that DC almost had a Joss Whedon Wonder Woman movie. And then that fell through, and then Avengers comes out with Joss Whedon's name huge up on the marquee. And how does that feel? Um, I think I, I I think it's just embarrassing that they keep saying that that kind of thing wouldn't do well, and that no. to this idea that guys in the in the core demographic would only go see a movie that has other dudes in it. Um, I don't buy that. I think it would be really. I, I don't. Hmm, I don't give the market as much credit as I would like to. Yeah. Uh, and that's not the fault of of the of the movie makers. And I absolutely believe it's possible. I do think that there is an issue, um, with finding a female action star that it's believable as an action star and isn't. All play like there's it's such tough. a. It's really tough. There's a there's a mix of sexuality in that that is really hard to hit, so that it's not disrespectful and you're not playing it for TNA and that it's it's good. I, I've been thinking about it a lot and it's not. <laughs> for how long? How many hours? I did. I because I was on vacation. It's last turning week, so purple for anyone who's listening to the show. I would say. I mean, all of Wednesday was lost, so that's 24 right off. I just did. It was no comic shop or anything, so I just thought. It's really hard. And I know it shouldn't be, and I'm sorry that that's the way the world works, but it is difficult because it's it's a thing that you're just... it's It would be so hard to make everybody happy. And honestly, I think the way that Avengers worked and the thing that's different about Avengers than Wonder Woman is that Avengers has a shitload of people in it. And yeah. the thing, they're if they make a, a Justice League movie and Wonder Woman's in it, they're going to give her quote unquote badass moments. Yeah. And they're either going to make her act like a guy, or make her act like a. And it's going to be so hard to avoid tropes 
because they're that's going to be the thing that they think will will. It's it's just I think the point is it's a very complicated issue. Okay, well it's I, more I think complicated it's... than with just a straight a, a guy superior. It's just it is. There's a lot of factors. I just think the conversation is always like balking about how difficult it would be. Well, just try. Well, it's a lot of money. Movie, big movies. No, big movie studios are not in the in the uh, try in the business of of throwing something out there. They're not going to spend two hundred million dollars in a movie and a hundred million dollars on marketing or something like that. Honestly, like a like a a thing like Kick Ass, not that movie, but a movie like that that was about a female superhero that was good, and there never has been one that managed to find a way to do an original character. That has to be what happens to pave the way, I think. You would like, you think Hunger Games would have made it okay, but yeah, probably not. Yeah, you would. All that's right. a really that's a really good way to ride that line, but it's still an ensemble piece. Yeah. No. No. Not really. No. Not really. There's, right. She's a definite You're right. female lead. You're right. You're right. Listen, I'm 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 incredibly biased when it comes to Jennifer Lawrence. All right, we all are. I think. All right, Marcus from San Antonio, Texas, writes and says. Two questions for the animated brain trust. Animation brain trust, which uh, which Paul and I are members. I'm gonna go pee. Would any of you be interested in doing a show in which you visit some of the older DC animated original movies to see if no. your opinion on them has changed? Uh, and yeah. Is there a movie that from the line that you still rewatch from time to time? Connor, do you revisit any of these? Yeah, I watch them. Which I uh, I rewatched um, New Frontier a bunch of times. I've rewatched Red Hood. Uh, I'm looking, trying to look at them now. Um, I mean, there's so many. They they come out so so frequently. It's hard to revisit them all. But I do revisit them every now and then. Oh, I, I, we're not going to go back and revisit any. We have there's just too many. Oh, I think there are, there are core ones that I would revisit. I like. I still. I know you're big on a uh, new frontier. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm still big on the. I think the Wonder Woman one is just great. Yeah, I want to rewatch um, that one. I that that end sequence is just that that's just really exciting. It's some of the best animation they've ever done and. Um, it's just a, it's a great solo story, and it's a it's not a Batman or a or a Superman story. Uh, Under the Red Hood also very good. I would I yeah. revisit that. I've watched that one a few I times. I don't I don't revisit a lot of them though, and not too often, but because there's I get kind of a dose when each one comes out, when each new one comes what? out. So what do you guys consider to be the best ones? Like if you had to pick a number one. Now I know that like Connor, you're watching New Frontier. Do you think that's the best one, or you think that's just the one that you? I like the most. The most. You know those are different. Yeah, I do. Um, I think Red Hood's probably the best one. Like, yeah, objective, I would say objectively, objectively, under Red Hood and the, the the what was the the Crisis on Two Earths? Yeah, Crisis on Two Earths is really good. That's a, that's a really solid one. It's got great moments for what all the characters. That? So objectively, I'd say those two. I've I've actually tried. I'm not into the animation very much, but I actually tried to watch a few of them when they all watch, showed up on watch Netflix. Watch Red Hood. Red Hood okay. is actually is that really, on Netflix? Really, I don't know, but it's probably the best oh, one, yeah. objectively speaking. Or at least uh, it, ha- it has I, been. I don't know. I watched is. that one that has all the shorts. Oh, the short compilations? Yeah. yeah they were good. Like, like the, they were great. Like Jonah yeah. Hex and the Phantom Stranger. Oh, yeah, yeah. Those are, Jonah Hex and the, 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 the Spectre 70s style. Like, that's the one, great. right, yeah. 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 No, that's really, that's like really good. Yeah. So, I mean, they're, they're, they're quite good. If you, I would just I say check out Red Hood. Check out Red Hood. It's probably the best one from a writing standpoint. Who did it? Right. Do you know? Uh, Judd Winnick wrote the script. Awesome. Yeah. I like Judd Winnick. So Jeff for, writes... For Under the Red Hood? Yeah. Yeah, I just... I, just real quickly, I just... I thought it was cool that he said he was able to, like, fix some things that he didn't like about his original comic scripts. Yeah. But he was able to do it, like, look back on it, and do, like, the sort of the, the director's cut of that story. 
in a different now, medium. I, I asked this question knowing the answer, Josh has an answer already, but Jeff writes and says, now that you've been doing the podcast and the website for such a long time, if you could go back and do something differently, what would it be? The name. The name. <laughs> we, we would... <laughs> We would all agree that we would not have chosen iFanboy. I would go back in time and have you guys change the name, too. Yeah. We we have... Actually, no one knows this, but... uh, Go ahead. ahead. Was it six or seven years ago, was it? We almost... The name almost completely changed to something else. That wasn't that long ago, was it? It was... Jesus Christ, it was. We almost completely changed the name of the website. Everything almost changed for various reasons. We almost completely rebranded. Really? Yeah, this is before you. Okay. Um, oh, all right. But, we, but the name has always been like an albatross. We love the name. It's our identity, but it's also it, very limiting in many ways. It has a lot more baggage now than it did back then. Yes. In, in uh, 2000, when we started, it was now the baggage it has now. And now there's there's a lot of tropes that are associated with that kind of thing, yeah. which I would all prefer right. to avoid. Jeff has another question. What There's been a lot of speculation on Miles Morales' coming to the regular Marvel Universe. And I wanted to get your take on the matter. I love Miles Morales. I really don't want to see him in the regular Marvel Universe. But it feels like something's going to happen with him and his title unless sales pick up again. Do you think this is a good thing for the character? Is it better for him to stay put in the Ultimate Universe even if the whole line of comics goes away? Could they manage two Spider-Man in the regular universe? Maybe West Coast Spider-Man down, located in L.A. So, the, so the, basically the backstory of this is there's going to be a big event with the Ultimate books. Cataclysm. Uh, cataclysm, the... The solicitations already said that Miles Morales is going to be in the Ultimate Universe. I mean, the Marvel Universe. And also, the speculation is that he's going to be the Spider-Man that is in um, Mighty Avengers, because it's an all-black cast and there's a Spider-Man in it. No, it's, it's not all black. All black Latino, I think, isn't it? Mighty it's Avengers. All... It's a it's a very diverse team. But I think the speculation is that he's that Spider-Man because they call him like Spider something, Spider Warrior or something like that. Spider Hero. Spider Hero, that's it. Right. So that speculation is that's Miles Morales, so they're bringing him into Marvel Universe. Hmm. How do you feel about that? Um, somebody wrote a column about this, and it kills me that I don't know who it was or where it was posted. Um, things just pop up on Twitter, and basically talking about how Miles Morales, any anything that they would do lessens the primacy of the character. Because he gets to, he is the ultimate Spider-Man in that universe. Peter Parker does not exist. There's no chance of him coming back. Um, yeah. So anything is a step down. He would be another Spider-Man, and the way things work, he would then be sort of looked upon as the younger Spider-Man or the Spider-Man of color, whatever. But he wouldn't. It's always going to be Peter Parker, even though right now it's the superior Spider-Man with Doc Ock. Uh, in the driver's seat. Um, eventually, we're going to get to a point where it's Peter Parker back as Spider-Man. Um, it's just going to happen. So anything that they would do, he's going to be less than what he was. So yeah. I think it's unfortunate. I wish they could just leave, you know, you know, get rid of the well other from the books if they have to, and just do it as its own title. Who cares about continuity of two different realities? Um, just let it be its own story. Let him... Because there's and it's it's such a rich mythology too, and if uh, if it, it is, and one of the things that really bothered me about switching over to Miles Morales was that they, I still feel like they ended the Peter Parker story too early, and I know that's ridiculous since it went on such a long time, but right. they just built such a nice world. And the good thing is that they continued that world, and I I really like this character a lot too. I agree, I agree with Paul, and but I and I think it's a bit like, 
it's not going to be just like Constantine, but it is in a way. It's taking him out of the world where we grew up with him and loved him and putting him in a, a new world that isn't the same thing. Right. So it's like, do you, or, or Jonah Hex, maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, it's the same people doing it. It's the same character. It ain't the same. And it makes me not like it uh, as much since I really like the thing it was. Yeah. But, you know, if that's if that's what happens, if that's what they want to try, maybe it'll be great. It doesn't excite me. How's that? All right, let's uh, skip down to 45, Zach. Do any of you actually miss Peter Parker? Peter, Spider-Man has been my favorite character for 25 years, and I don't really miss him at all. I'm interested in how Slot will bring him back, but I'm really enjoying the Superior Spider-Man. The great art and tight storytelling make it a fun read. Um, that's a very, uh, I think it's a very advanced sort of answer on that, and I think we can all relate it to Batman when when Bruce Wayne died and they they had yeah. Dick Grayson be Batman. I I assume it's a lot like that. Uh, I don't think any of us are reading it, are we? Yeah, no. So so I don't think any of us are really torn one way or the other on on Peter Parker. Yeah. You know what's funny is I told you I was I was reading Spider Man uh, this morning, mm-hmm. and I gotta tell you, like reading that, I I had a huge preference for the younger Spider Man. It was so much more compelling to me. Like I was like, like yeah. it made it made Peter Parker old Peter Parker. Seem so seems much, old. So much right. So much more irrelevant and old. And, and that like, is why they, they changed done it that. because he seems so old now. I mean, they they want that vibrancy of a young Peter Parker, which is so much more interesting. And that's why they change. That's why they. I mean, that's why they they change the marriage. I, mean, I would seems, take. Seems... I would. This would never happen. I would take Miles Marker. Oh, Miles. Miles Marker. Who's Miles, that? Miles, I, Miles Parker. I would take uh, Miles Morales over Peter Parker, but I'd like to do it while keeping Peter Parker in a different role, like an Oracle kind of role. Not not like that, but like how they kept. Uh, like Batman Beyond. Yeah, yeah something. Yes, Bruce, yes. Bruce is the the handler, or the yeah, he's like in the well, just Oracle. Just that he still exists in that world. I'd I'd be okay with that, but I don't like Spider-Man Prime and Spider-Man Lesser. The you know. The but what they were what they were doing with Barbara Gordon, um, you know, as Oracle, and then having other Batgirls. Um, I think that's it's a cool idea, and it progresses the character. Yep, and that character needs progression, which is what Dan Slott's doing. Yeah, I would like to point out that in the middle of this, Mike Romo called me. He knows we're doing this show, yet he called. Um, let's do Paul 46, Socrates. Socrates, it's surprising how some of my favorite mainstream comics as a kid were still violent. Uh, for example, DC Bloodlines. As an adult, I would not knowingly let my son read these same titles. I've discovered 70s and 80s mainstream comics that seem to have the same level of conflict, yet show less violence. Does violence sell comics? Would the killing jokes be a great story? Would the killing joke be a great story without the images of extreme violence? Uh, Dark Knight Returns, uh, a great comic like Busiek's Secret Identity uses little actual violence. This is an example of an amazing story that is tra- uh, tragically forgotten for the most part, unlike uh, Kelly's What's So Funny About Truth, Love, Truth, Love, Truth, <laughs> Truth Justice, Love. and The American Way. Uh, both, uh, both are character-defining stories, but with Kelly's story uh, has greater violence and it receives an animated feature. Do characters sell comics uh, or does violence, the okay. promise of violence... First of all, the, 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 the Joe Kelly story is actually a comment on exactly what you're talking about. Right. The point of it is that at the time, the authority was like a really big deal and things were hyper-violent or whatever, and Kelly was making the statement that Superman trumps that. 
So it isn't right. exactly what you're talking about, but most people probably consume it as that, so it's moot. It's, it's, a it's, a weird, comics, it's like a melange. A lot of comics sell because of violence. That's why The Punisher is popular. Yes, that's why a lot it's of a things... It's a melange but, of, of all that stuff. But it doesn't need to be. I, I find myself, you know, you know you my taste going on. I like, I like books that, you know, like I find books that are more fun... Or, or more lofty, I think, are more, you know... But the whole super violence thing isn't my thing. Sometimes it's fun. Right now, The Ultimates um, by by uh, Josh Vyalkov... It's great. Uh, and Carmen... I'm not going to it anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, that's super violent, and it's really fun. So, you know, it's, you don't want everything to be the uh, same all the time. I think violence is fine if it's saying something... If you're if you're making some kind of statement as with the Kelly story, um, in Preacher it's it's used. I mean, there's a lot of violence and a lot of disturbing imagery, but yeah, it's there's there's a statement being made there, and it's for impact. Sometimes when when you when you're numb to the violence in the book, that's a bad sign. It's a bad sign for you, and it's a bad sign for the book. <laughs> Um, but uh, but no, it's it's a bad time for the book because that means that there's there's no stakes here or um, mistake. Um, it was like when not to not to not to rag on the movie too much, but in watching Man of Steel, hearing about people clapping at that that big controversial moment at the end, I'm not going to ruin it, but um, that's that that's saddening. That that's what people want out of. Okay. Out of that story. So, well. all right. Next question is from Gene from Chicago. Who says, if you were allowed to choose just one character, thing, or idea from the pre-Flashpoint DC continuity, and place it back in the New Fifty Two, what would it be? And my answer to that is, well, my answer to that is that there, the problem with New Fifty Two was there was too much from the pre. That was my question. Like, what's what's not there? The, what are we missing? Well, I think people. I think people are looking for like the Wally West or the or Stephanie Brown. But the problem is that they didn't break away enough. They didn't establish their own world enough. They tried to keep too much of the old, and never allowed themselves. To, yeah, which to start over. Which makes so when there are um, exclusions of things from the pre New Fifty Two, they feel petty because it's just like these are just cosmetic sort of things that we don't like. Like right. editorially, Superman's I don't like outfit. I don't like yeah. I don't like Superman's trunks. I don't like Stephanie Brown. I don't like that kind of stuff. And so it's if you're gonna totally revamp the world, totally revamp it. Do something like not just just changing the number on Action Comics or on Detective Comics. That's I mean that they they were talking about that as being showing how serious they are. Mm -hmm. We're renumbering this book. That's up to this huge crazy number. That's not gutsy. That's gimmicky. Gutsy is actually doing, making bold changes to character and storylines, um, and and starting fresh. Like to me, it was reading Batgirl and realizing that somehow Killing Joke was happened. It just it, it it was too muddled. That I mean, it was way more muddled than After Crisis, and that, that to me knew I knew they were in trouble when I read those issues. Yeah. So not enough. I wouldn't bring anything more. Now, when I when I said we'd already talked about it, if there was a thing that I liked from you know just before Flashpoint, it was the the um, Dick Grayson's Batman thing. 
Oh, like I could have used more of it. But that story. also still happened, according, you know, according to Batman Incorporated. Well, so. I just mean continue. Well, okay, yeah. Honestly, it, it's for, for me. Like I have an answer, stupid, but it's the redesigns of the the JLA. I I I every time I see Superman, I think God. I, Someday costume. people are going to read this story and go, this is great, except that. Right. Like, I've been reading Superman Unchained, and that's the thing. I, I really like that story. I look forward to reading it. And he walks around in a stupid collar, and I just think this is going to be like Red and Blue Superman at the beginning of uh, Grant Morrison stuff. You're just like, why does he look like that for? Yeah. And there's also New 52 stuff that they introduced in the beginning, and then they didn't keep. So, like, think, like interesting ideas like the you know Superman and the, the jeans and the boots. God, I love that. Or I, I heavily sideburned Aquaman. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Paul, take the next one. Which one? Which number? It's 48. 43. Four, 48. 48. Tom, if you could compare, compare comic book creators to West Wing actors, who is the Joshua <laughs> Molina of comics? <laughs> Man. It's like a replacement. I was like Kyle Rayner or... It's Miles somebody Morales. who's taken over for a really popular... It's like the guy who took over after Joss Whedon wrote Astonishing X-Men. Oh, we're doing creators? Oh, it's yeah, it's, it's creators. creators. It's even... Josh Molina. It's... Uh, uh, there's almost in. no way... I like... Well... I'm trying I, not to... I, don't, I don't really like Josh Molina on, on West Wing. I don't not like him, but I don't, I don't like say him. I was the Josh Molina of iFanboy at one point. You definitely you, are. You definitely are, but... <laughs> Not in the Air Force. But at the same time, Ron is Ron. I, Ron is no Sam Seaborn. No, no, no. It's because you want to be <laughs> Sam Seaborn. It's, it, it's somebody who has to took a, took over for a popular creator. I don't. It's got to be. I stand by my whoever took over Joss Whedon on Astonishing X Men. Wasn't it Warren Ellis? Was it? I believe so. Right away, I don't know if it was right away. Well, it was. Uh, it was. It's Andy Diggle on Daredevil. Okay. Okay, I see that. There, nobody's offended. Everybody's okay. Here we go. Fifty-one, Josh. Ah, uh, fifty-one. Sam from Baltimore, Maryland. We'll take it as read that Jack Kirby is one of the greats, even though, and that even his poor work is as good as most people's best. But what are your respective Kirby at his finest comics, or does it matter? Uh, are any of you closet Kirby haters? No. Personally, I think Commandi is pretty hard to top. On a follow-up note, what is your take on aping the Jack Kirby style? I'm thinking specifically of people like Tom Scioli who are influenced, are so influenced that it can only be called homage. Is there anything wrong with consistently doing that? At what point does it simply become copying? And is there anything wrong with that? That's a good question with a lot of things about it. Favorite Kirby book? What is his finest work? It's hard to say finest. I mean, you have Fantastic Four. You, have, I, I, you said I, you wanted Captain America. America. You have that's that's because those are two things I really it's like. Fr it's from the. I mean, you, you've got a Fantastic Four has got to be his seminal work because uh, that's where he. That's the Kirby dots and the black uh, and sure. the Inhumans and the Galactus. I mean, it's really as you get into the 40s and 50s. I think I. I honestly like. I mean, my my great failing is that I don't know enough of it as well enough to to say like I, I need to read more of it and there's so much this is a dude who's doing work from the 30s into the 90s so some of, the, some of my personal I like his DC stuff some of my personal favorite stuff yeah. is the fourth world but in terms of pure Kirby creation I would have to agree that Kamandi because yeah. that's like his thing that's it's total Kirby 
Um, I mean, you you can look at the early. You can go look at the first sort of part of like a Fantastic Four omnibus. You know, he's not. It's not. It's not blowing your eyeballs out. The covers are really good, but the pages themselves are a little like like he. They weren't in. I don't think he he'd been lit that fire under him yet. You see. No, but it, it it gets crazier as the as the run sure. goes on. Um, I still think Fantastic Four is probably his pinnacle. I, I think you're right, and the stuff that came out of that, like the, yeah. the Inhumans, and and you think about and Silver Surfer and all that stuff that he wanted to do when he starts bringing in the collage, you know, and, and bringing in other other elements. Um. But the thing is, he create you know like he created stuff like like we most people just know him for the sixties. He created. Uh, romance all, comics all the fourth world books and, and right, but that stuff's the later stuff. But like earlier than that, him and Joe Simon were you know he's just doing monster comics or something like that. I don't know. It could be, you know, they did crime comics. There's there's huge volumes for. So, full of so what do we think about Tom Scioli and guys like uh, Scott Koblish on OMAC who are basically doing Kirby? I think it's a fun thing to do. Sometimes, if I was an artist, I wouldn't want to put it this way. I would like to play in a rock band, but I don't want to be in a tribute band. I would like right. to do covers sometimes. Right. Uh, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but I would I would think I would get bored of it. I think I, I think for things like like uh, OMAC and uh, things like uh, Godland. Let's see, Godland, there's specific Kirby homages. I mean, that's the whole point of it, right? So I think that's okay. Remembering that when we talk about OMAC, we talk about how it's this cool Kirby-esque thing, not talking about that artist. Right. Yeah, that, and that's why I said specifically as an yeah. artist, that wouldn't be a thing I'd want to do, because that's not me. That's, so you know, it's, that's like it's that guy, it, it's like that dude from the Philippines who is now in Journey. Like yeah, it's a no. circus act. Right. To a certain that's extent. You, you don't want to be the Joshua Molina of... Uh, <laughs> of Journey. Of the Philippines. <laughs> that's true. Uh... But right, at the same well, time, like I don't, I don't disrespect those guys. Like it's cool, it's fun to read. I just wouldn't want to, I wouldn't want to do it all the time. I don't yeah. know. But but uh, Kirby's like a special case, I guess. I don't know. All right, let's move on to uh, Marcus from Silver Spring, Maryland, who is Marcus Hill and says, Marcus Hill seventy three, and I fanboy. He says I've been reading comics for twenty plus years, predominantly Marvel and Image. Thanks to your recommendation, I started reading many DC titles. This leads me to DC's New Fifty Two. From the onset, there was an excitement and an anticipation around the DC, what DC had foreshadowed. Based on your recent commentary of DC's lines and editorial interference, initial enthusiasm around all but a few titles have subsided. Previewing DC's current line of comics, this pretty much looks like it did four to five years ago. There's now half, a half-decent JLA title, but other than that, the New 52 appears to be nothing new. Which leads me to my question, is the comics marketplace getting what it deserves? Titles like Omac, Hawkman, and Hawk and Dove didn't sell enough copies were canceled. Was New 52 a misstep, given that their current line of titles, the stories being told, and creators involved are not really that different than the pre-New 52 titles? <laughs> well, are, you like, are you like me? Are you just picturing like a guy, like a police officer talking to Connor? Like, sir, <laughs> I'm just like, is it like a job interview? And just your, like, your license registration, please? Hopelessly have, to, to not be drunk. And the point <laughs> is, do we, do we have, do we have the have market we deserve? Yes. All the interesting titles sure. that DC put out got canceled. Frankenstein, OMAC, uh, Men at War. All the non, like, sort of superhero titles got canceled right away because no one bought them. So do we have well, the, the... Now, we have, th there's another side to that. 
That's true. No one bought them, and we knew no one would buy them. Right. But they were not given a chance to flourish. I think like they gave it a very quick lip service of, all right, let's have some diversity, and then very quickly they went, market's not responding. Let's just let's just all all guns forward. They had a very short leash. Very short leash. It, it, like it, there was almost no way that that was going to succeed. It's like, it's like TV now, you know, where where the thing like like Seinfeld didn't have an audience for years. It well, not, did. not years. It yeah, but like it took the the it took the. Uh, it was the first year. Episode. Yeah, the first year it didn't, but they brought it back. Like we never get past a season anymore. Right. Just like TV doesn't. You know, like you better bring it in now, and, it, and like who knows uh, how, how to do that. So, and I I definitely. I blame the readership. Like I, I blame an audience that doesn't buy that stuff. Yeah. Uh, they're not bad people because of it. But I just think a lot of them have gone away, and and what we're left with are the people. I, I said this the other day on on you know you you sell comics to the audience that you have, not the one you you wish you had. You want to apply Rumsfeldism to it. Right. And that's that's what it is. Uh, and if you at the same time, like if you want interesting comics, if you want things that are different. Then, then Marvel and DC might not be the place for you to go, but there are definitely alternatives. I give DC a lot of credit for trying. I mean, when they first came out, they had a lot of different books, books you would normally not associate with DC or Marvel. You know, OMAC, Frankenstein, Men at War, those were genre books that were not traditional superhero books. I give them credit for that, but no one bought them. I don't understand why they, they thought... Like, the thing is, if you're going to do a genre book like that, you need to bring something to it based on the on the audience you have. And but so at that, the same time, I think there's a lot of lip service in the community. And maybe absolutely. only on the internet, but there's a lot of lip service like, hey, we want all ages books, we want non-traditional books, but then at the end of the day, they don't get purchased. Right. So what's DC to do? They're in the business of making I, money. I agree. I agree. Yeah. And I that's and that's the point. Like you have to blame the audience. Yeah. Like and and they they didn't. It's it's not blaming them. It's just that that I blame you, Josh Lanigan, not him, but I come. That's that's my favorite meme. By the way, I love it. I <laughs> love Josh Lanigan's story. Um, like what like what are you gonna do? Like you, you don't put out a book that nobody's gonna buy. If you want to do a war book, then you better put somebody amazing on it who's a huge draw. But right. why well, would they? They, they had Mike Costas doing G.I. Joe. How much does that sell? I mean, that's not, he's not a, you know, it's going to be a good book, and it was, but right away, the thing is, they gave it however many issues, six, seven, eight issues or something like that, but, you know, behind the scenes, you know that an issue in, they were like, do it like this, do it like this, do it, he didn't get to tell the story, right. no, he walked. True. Yeah, it's true. So, you know, even though they, they it was, it was, uh, it was a show, it was, you know, like, yeah, we'll give you your chance, you failed, but they didn't, it wasn't really given a chance at all, it was yeah. beset by network notes. I, I give them the credit for trying, but they didn't, you know, there's lots they of things really. after this. Lip service is exactly. <laughs> I, I, I love OMAC. I've got the trade. I've got I the issue. Frankenstein friends. Yeah. So, it's tough. Let's try 58, Josh. I gotta scroll down here. Everyone just to hang on for a moment. How's the weather tonight? It's lovely. Matthew from Honolulu, Hawaii. I Who's make reality. In paradise. On the website. It's true. He's got Dog the Bounty Hunter running around, though. That's a problem. Is that there? Well, I don't know. What do no. you think? Why am I talking about oh. <laughs> What do you think Hope, think slash Hope, is the next evolution of podcasting? A technical instruction like tagging reviewed books that take you to a digital distributor like the music sites with iTunes or something more content-driven? Huh. What is wow, the next evolution gears of podcasting? On that. Um, uh, you don't want to know. 
it's 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 corporatization. It's bigger names that get involved in it because the one thing that I think we've found uh, is that companies companies are interested in something that sells really big, and what sells really big is celebrity. That's why Mark Maron's podcast blew up because he had more and more famous people on, and some people noticed it. You know, mm. uh, the comics is relatively untouched because there's no money in it. So there's no, just, it's like, really is not. it? You know, when we started podcasting, it was like this is the next thing. You know, like this is going to usurp the popular media. People are going to go to podcasting, and I don't no one's going to watch network that. TV. That was the thing, if yeah. you recall. Uh, it didn't happen. It shouldn't have happened. I didn't agree with it at the time, anyway. But what is the next thing? What is podcasting going to become? It's a marketing. It's 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 a marketing channel. On one hand, I think from a business standpoint, it's a market. So any money that goes into it is going to be to market something. Everything else is a form of journaling. Mm -hmm. It's a way for, to to my point, it's a way for creative people to make themselves an outlet uh, that stands on its own merit to a certain extent. And there will be breakouts, and there will be very niche things that you can get into, and it's it's still rad for that. I I find it to be, it's incredibly intimate. And yep. if you let it happen in the right way, you can know people. Is, is a, is a, here's a thing that I've noticed about podcasting. Uh, I, since I moved out of New York City, um, I had to leave. You know, so I, I haven't seen some of my friends. Alex Robinson is a really good friend of mine. I listen to his podcast, and it makes me feel like I've been hanging out with him. Mm -hmm. And he's the person intimate. I know. But it also works. Like people who talk to us think they know us. Yeah. And they do to a certain extent, and I think that's really cool. And I think that's something that it's going to stick around. Right. Um, my point being, like, I forget that I haven't actually been hanging out with the person because it is so intimate. Uh, but is it going to blow up? Is it going to be a thing? Sure, there'll be outliers. There'll be some people who, you know, get a deal from it or whatever. But I think it is what it is. I think that's right. Paul, any thoughts? Future podcasting? What, what, what about what? What is the question? When we talk about you, like, what's the next big thing you, in comics, or like what's why don't the next you, why don't you take tagging? Ricardo at number sixty, Paul? Sixty. I'll take Ricardo. Yeah. I just barely got into comics this year, so obviously I don't know what I am talking about when it comes to comics. Join the club. I really do enjoy them. I am eighteen. How long is I? I am eighteen and wish I got into them a lot earlier. I got into comics just right after the death of Damian Wayne. Rip Homie. And I read up on the Batman and Robin comics so I can build up a love for this character before I read Batman Inc. 8. But I also went back and listened to some of your podcasts where you guys could talk often about how much it doesn't make sense that none of the Batman Inc. books are relevant to the rest of the current Batman and Bat-related books and events. But, uh, but how mm, logical it was that the death of Robin was the only event that affected the other books. And I think I know a good reason. Uh, yeah, I'm aware I'm a noob and don't know much, and maybe you guys are over it and don't care or already figured out why this is. The fact is that no matter what time these books are taking place, whether it be at the same time or farther in the future of the Bat world, I don't know the story behind Batman Inc., so I don't know, don't know what time it takes place, but I just came to the conclusion that regardless of the time Bat Robin dies, it's not something you jump around. They killed Robin in this book. None of the other books can go on as if Damien didn't just die like a week before. No, Robin dies and the reader knows 
that he does at one point, they couldn't just be reading a book where he's alive and kicking ass. Then there's a book where they just witnessed him die. But I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong and don't know that what I'm talking about. I probably don't. But I just wanted to express this. What do you think? Also, who is your favorite Robin? I love Damien. His character was amazing, but I also love Dick Grayson. I can't choose between the two. What do you think? <laughs> my, my, uh, I came in reading uh, uh, Tim, and that's sort of my Robin. Um, not so much anymore. What um, do you mean? Well, I don't know. The, like, the, the, I think some of the stuff that they did with Tim Drake, it's like... When Tim Drake was like the Robin, they could do interesting things with his character. Um, now that there are multiple Robins, like all at once, um, he's more ar archetypal. Um, I agree. And they came up with, and they they sort of like like watered down, simplified the character, and made him. He's the Robin who wasn't a Robin. He did his own thing. He's Red one, Robin. one of the worst things about the New Fifty Two. Is how they've handled the Robins. I can't get those words out. The new 52 <laughs> is the five-year time span, the six Robins. It just doesn't make any sense, but it sort of, it sort of devalued all of the Robins. You know what I mean? Like, Tim was marginalized. Jason doesn't make any sense. You know, Damien doesn't really make any sense either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I agree. It, it, it's yeah. been one of the biggest missteps of the whole thing. I... I, I I I agree with Paul. I think Tim is the one that I've read the most. I wasn't reading when when you know Dick was Robbins a really long time ago. He's the one that I I enjoyed the most. I really I really enjoyed Damien as a diversion, as a fun thing for a while when written correctly, when mm -hmm. written. Um, I do want I want to go back and say that all of that thing where the dude's writing the question and he's like, well, I don't know, maybe Ricardo would. I think you're absolutely right. I, th I think you, you make an excellent... The reason that Robin is dead is all the books because Robin's dead. And they can just take that and go with it. And I, I, that's absolutely the best way to do it. And also, it gets rid of one of the Robins because uh, there's too many people living in this damn house. <laughs> you know? Like, it's just there too is. Many kids. Like, listen, I love you. You can't stay. You got to go. You cannot be here. There's too many people. It's, it's uh, real world Gotham. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you're right. I think that Robin has been really when when Tim was Robin, we had so many that like that series that, that Chuck Dixon did was great. Yes. Uh, you know, he was Robin for a really long time. The only problem with the problem with Robin was that with Tim Drake was that after a while, like they had just killed everybody mm -hmm. close to him, and it was just like you know, if this was a real person at all, you know, he would have completely snapped. <laughs> it just they they could have made they like, killed his they, girlfriend, his parents. They could have turned him into the villain. That would have been yeah. that. That would have been the thing to do, because all that Make stuff him happened a bad to him guy. while he was a kid. Like that makes the most sense, even more than Jason Todd. Uh, hmm. because he was trained by Batman. He's he's. I'm giving this away. <laughs> but wasn't that one of the stories? What wasn't that? Wasn't that the Return of the Joker? Yes. Was it was it Tim? Was yes. Tim, yeah. Return of the Joker was go. Tim. Yeah. So, so yep. it wasn't even an original idea. Where should we go next? 61. Merv from Florida. 
I love that this is a dude named Merv. That's the best. On one of your big shows, number 350, after the music at the end died off, there was more audio and it sounded like a candid recording of you guys just chatting before or after the purposeful recording. I don't know if it was on purpose or not, but it got me wondering if the i what if the iFanboy what if the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast had after credit sequences just like the Marvel movies do. There's is there a question there? I think the main thing is everything you hear except for that one time is purposeful. We're pretty efficient. So if if you hear if there's an audio clip after the music, we put it there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's 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 the way that we edit the show. It would be impossible to not notice that. Yeah. Uh, the only time we don't notice is when it's in the middle and someone who remains nameless doesn't remember shut, taking it. Listen, that much like Indiana never happened. <laughs> Indianapolis That's story. Uh, I don't even see. know. It didn't happen. Uh, let's see, uh, Paul, read, um, Jesus, whatever you want, man. Here. A lot of people. Name 64, 64, 64. 64. Edward. How old will you be when you give up comic books in whatever format they evolve into? My first ever comic book was Avengers number 58. Even an android can cry. Josh, didn't you almost give them up? And looking forward to reading your upcoming story, congrats. Uh, that's from Edward, if I didn't say Josh, give a little plug for your upcoming story. Yeah, I have a seven, I think it's seven-page story in the Scamthology, uh, which was uh, which is from uh, Comics Tribe and Joe Mulvey, who's a guy I know. I think he listened to the show. And uh, he's a writer-artist who did a book called Scam, and he got all these other creators together uh, to do uh, a big anthology using all these... He's, there's like a ton of characters in this, and they're sort of uh, super-powered con men. So I picked one of them, and I wrote a story that I really, really, really liked. Uh, it was drawn by Doug Hills, uh, a friend of mine who I worked with. And... Doug's awesome. Yeah, it's the best work he's ever done. Um, I was really proud He does of good work. I was super glad to be asked to do it. And I don't. It's not going to be out for a while. I think it was supposed to be December, and I think it's been pushed a little later. But trust me, when it's around, I'll let you know. Um, lots All right, of enough, enough plugging. Sorry. Uh, How so old late. will you be when you give up comic books and whatever format they evolve into? I did not evolve. I did not agree with the question. That's like saying, "How old will you be when you give up TV?" Right. How old I mean, will I be when I give up buying comics every Wednesday? That's more. You know, I. It's an art form. It's it's my favorite art form. Yes. Yeah. It's the thing I understand the best. It's the thing that I get the most enjoyment out of when done well. It's it's an it's an real. I didn't almost give up comics. I probably just got over the grind of sort of the regular buying of them. That said, I remember saying the same thing about mouse pads, and I don't have a mouse pad. <laughs> I don't. A mouse pad is a is a venue. For imagery, it's just like a desktop wallpaper. It's another place to have art, but I don't. <laughs> and it's that it wasn't just a conscious choice to not have mouse pads anymore. I was just like, just one there, day. It wasn't a gone. day where I woke up and it was like right. no more, no more. You know, it was just one day. Like, I, like wasn't a mouse there didn't burst through my window and land on a bust of my father, and I was like, father, I will no longer mouse. <laughs> um, do you use a trackpad? Just, I use a trackpad um, and I don't know where my mouse pads are I guess I threw them out but... my mouse pad is under my trackpad right? that's weird though 
So Paul is saying none of us are saying no. We're saying we don't know, right? No, we're saying I'm saying we, we we're saying we uh, we disagree with the question. We okay. don't, we don't grant the the premise of the question is wrong. Is what we're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Paul, sixty-six. Sixty-six. <laughs> yes. Ilan, uh, my question has to do with the future of superhero comics. Comics in general, have hardly ever been better with new, brilliant, creator-owned comics popping up virtually every week. Uh, but even though there are even a number... Okay. Start again. Paul, figure this out. You're not even drinking. Coming up virtually every week, but even though there are even a number of really good superhero comics coming from the big two, the output of DC and Marvel has seldom felt more stale. Well, from my point of view, anyway. Again, it's not a question of individual quality, but taken as a whole, superhero comics now don't seem all that much different from superhero comics that came out 25 years ago. Hell, between all the reboots and status quo resets, this is more true now than it was, say, five years ago. My question is, in short, are we in need of a Watchmen, a Showcase number 4, or a Lee Kirby Fantastic Four type of game changer to fundamentally shake things up and bring something truly new to how superhero stories are told, uh, and in this extremely corporate-driven environment, would such a thing even be possible? Well, the New 52 is that kind of game-changer, and that's not what we wanted or needed. It's Right? That's like that's that's the same kind of thing as like a... It seems antithetical to ask for a status quo-changer, but that applies to superheroes. The superheroes are the problem because the superheroes are the status quo. It's not the companies doing them, it's the fact that the two companies that have 90% of market share do the same kinds of stories and that's all anyone buys. Yeah. I don't mean to sound angry. Well, I, mean, but... I don't know if it needs to happen. I think Marvel is... Again, we come back to this. They're doing great stuff. What's it? That's true, and if you're just looking for quality work, there's quality work. The problem yeah. being that... the, the I don't, I don't think they're stale at all. I think DC is stale. Yeah, but that has other than to do three with... or four, other than three or four titles like Wonder right. Woman and Batman and stuff like that. But you know what the I game changer I... is? The game changer Image. is The Walking Dead. Not just Image. Image, specifically The Walking Dead. Yeah. Which which broke every single rule. Kirkman's manifesto came true. Yes. Yep. I think. I think people are trying to look at it that way, and publishers are trying to look at it that way in terms of we need to do a jump starting kind of thing to steer the ship in the right direction. Once every six months. And that's that's sort of what like the New 52 thing kind of is. With with Marvel now, it's just, let's write great books and have like a good jumping on point. And, and again, Marvel doesn't always do that right. Like Marvel now is, I think that would, that's, a, that's a success, and that's, that's good thinking. But before that, they were doing like the point one stuff. Yeah, that was but, terrible. And nobody. But if you look at but look at Marvel, look at Image. You know, there's great comics coming out right now. Yep. Great comics. Even I mean, like the thing is, you know, you can easily look over at Dark Horse and see great comics coming out. Yep. You can. It's funny because what I don't see is a lot of great original graphic novels anymore. I can't. You don't see. You don't see the timeless books. No. I Marvel's never been in the timeless game. They're not. They're not. In the, they're not. They've never done that. No. True. Uh, images, books. Uh, DC was in the timeless book. DC, DC's always been in the timeless game. You know, the Dark Knights Returns, the uh, Watchmen's, 
New Frontiers, that kind of thing. It's always, you know, always been, that's always been the DC's game, but they don't do that so much anymore. I'm trying yeah. to look at my books to see. Well, Marvel, Marvel tried to do that with what, um, with the the, the Mark Wade, Alex Ross thing, right? Marvels. 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 Marvels that, but that was when I was in high school. Kurt I'm just Busek. saying. It's Kurt Busiek. That's how far back you kind of have to go to think of them attempting to do something like that. Yeah. That's not their. That's not their game. The, not right now. It's not. No, no but so, it really and, hasn't been. I remember when I was looking at my shelves, I have a lot less Marvel books. Trades. Yeah, like like books because there's not as many sort of volumes of it. There, I have on my on my on my shelves from Marvel. I have bits of runs that I liked, but it's not like the twelve issues that encapsulate. Day Tripper Saga. Yeah, I think I think everyone in the chat room should note the giant beer. Bot canum or glass I'm holding almost spills. Canum. <laughs> blah blah blah. Josh, go to sixty-nine. <laughs> Easily done. Uh, uh, Stuart from Chelmsford, England. Do you guys have any minor pet peeves in comics? Dozens. For me, how seemingly ninety percent of the superheroes begin with a narration box. My name is Hal Jordan. Peter Parker, Buddy Baker, etc. How often characters say the thing is. How often, how every character Bendis writes has a stammer. Oh. I, I, don't, I don't agree with the first one because I think it's important to introduce the main character in every issue. If you really want to get new readers, you have to do that. If you don't want to, then fine. But if you really, if you want people to buy your books as new readers, you have to introduce the character in every issue. Just, I will I mean, say that, that one's related to one of mine, which is first-person narration. But here's my, my main one, and I almost did an article of this for the website, but it was just too oh, all-encompassing. It's that if you look, in the last couple of years, there's a proliferation of I've got this or we got this. It happens in almost every comic. Mm-hmm. I got this or we got this. Do you like post-its all over your walls? I was keeping track, and then I lost. It was just so many. It, it ha- like up until, up until this very week, it happened in this very week's comics. I got this. Yes. We got this. It happened. It was in all the DC books, or variations of that. I thought it was, like, that. I thought it was like a thing they were doing, like you know, like a mandate, like you must say if we got this in every issue. But I, right, it was happening that, a lot. And if, you, if you if you know that and pay attention, it, it happens every week in comics. That's related to his second one. You know, characters say the thing is, and I think that's because influence of the writers and influence of the stories has become so recursive. That they're all trying to create the same kind of moments, yeah. over and over again, right. and 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 memes become memes, and people uh, even subconsciously take that stuff in and they do it again. I think without thinking about it, the character saying the thing is, you know that that is a thing you hear all the time, uh, and it actually can be relate. You know, it's just it becomes the language, and you all want to have that badass moment. Another one like that is in in Wonder Woman this week. When the girl whacks him on the head, and like there's the moment of quiet, and then she goes a hole, and like that is you know that's that's Nick Cage out of uh, um, what's it called uh, the prison one, The Rock. I mean that's what the that Rock moment is. A is. Great movie. Right, but we've <laughs> <laughs> that's a thing. It's a great movie. It is. That's Come a on, thing. Let it be known. That's a thing that you can do with Connor. Is you can mention any number of films, <laughs> and you just mention it, and he'll just say that's a great movie. It's like, like fucking great movie. You no one can tell me it's not. Sean Bean, Sean Connery, Ed Harris. It's fine. That's not. Oh that's man, not in Bruges. 
man. Andrew it's kind. It's the kind of like now. moment that to a lesser extent, I guess. It's the kind of moment cliche that has come from action movies, you know, from Die Hard forward. That they're trying. They're put. Listen, all listen, of right, listen. Do not slag off Die Hard. You I'm not. It's it's like it's like Archie Bunker. Like the things that made it great have been copied so much that it doesn't. It 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 makes it makes the original. That's what you guys told me about Archie. Goodfellas. Let's Whoa! Goodfellas. Let's you talking about Goodfellas? Let's watch Goodfellas. No, no there's a no. This dog over here. Um, <laughs> no, I, I just I think that like the the conversation the the it's very homogenous. The yeah. sort of writers like, they're all dudes around you know between thirty and fifty who who all watch the same stuff and think, like participate in this geek culture. Do you think dudes are brown between dudes who are around? Oh, okay. In the age range of. Making listen, sure we just have, for the listeners, I just all right. We have only two pages left of email, so let's get Can we, let's get yeah. through this. I have uh, Paul so seventy. Much. Seventy Paul. Mike from Crippler. What? Mike is Crippler. Oh. Okay. His name is well, Boy. Alright, what is something that you guys used to do on the show that you stopped doing that you sort of miss? Frapper map. Here's what I miss. Delicious barbecue episodes where Ron would wax poetically about meat and Connor would say, it's hot, and Josh would try to defy expectations regarding his top five books. Ah, good times. Yes, I know. I, I just couldn't No one likes me. They want Ron back. I get it. Really getting to the heart of this thing, people. It's not just... What's the thing you used to do on the show that you've stopped? I don't I, I, I do miss those episodes. I, I, I miss the video shows. I mean, they were... I'm a lot of work, and, and they were they, they were a lot of work, more work than anything we've done on the show, on the website, or our fanboy in general. But I miss those barbecue shows; they were great. Yeah, I, here, here I'll say a thing. Somebody asked earlier what we would have done differently. Mm-hmm. I would have done those better. <laughs> Which no, <laughs> we like no, we, we did them as good as we could. We did them as good as we could, given the resources and the time allotted, but. We could have done better. The problem is that it wouldn't have been worth it to anybody but ourselves, and that's only fun for so long. Right. If that makes sense. The 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 fact is, people are like, why is it not around? Like, there weren't enough people watching it. So the amount of time that we spent doing them was not productive, you right. know, in that way. And they were totally the chat, fun. People in the chat are freaking out. I, I, I love Goodfellas. It's a really good movie. I'm saying they warned me about it before I watched it. Yeah, because I came to it late. Yeah, um, I, I do miss. The, I mean, they were fun. They were fun to do those shows. You know, as much pain in the ass and work as they were, they were fun to do. I miss being an idiot. <laughs> I mean, it like, like, like those first. Like, I know a lot now. I know a lot of people. I know, like, it was like I feel like I have a lot more responsibility now. And so, early on, when we first started the video shows, we didn't said some dumb shit. The the show we never aired the uh, the Brian K Vaughn show. I mean, yeah. it was it was cre- I mean, it was kind of like I missed the sense of discovery. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like we were sort of making it up as we went along. No one else was really doing the video shows, and we were, we were get, made a language up. More time to do them and a little more help. Yeah. Like, it's really yeah. hard to shoot a video show when you don't have a camera person. Yeah. Like we well, had no crew. Camera. We had no crew. Yeah, it was just us. And we're like for a little while, like we paid Connor's brother and sister to help us, but that didn't really work. <laughs> we didn't really pay them. We just no. <laughs> they didn't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it wasn't. My sister shot some. Episodes. Like yeah, it was. I missed the sort of 
goofy blazing the trail mentality that we had. Like that was kind of fun. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I remember worst. Someone in the chat room says worst Canada. That was from the episode we didn't air, where we had the globe. Did we not air that one? No, we we aired a similar version of it. Oh, that was stupid. That was like episode three where we had no, like the globe flying and my brother day. my brother threw the globe in. But you know, like it was fun back then. Yeah, it was. So a lot less responsibilities back then. Yeah, uh, Josh seventy one. Sean from Long Island. Over the four hundred episodes, what are the biggest differences in comics between now and then? What trains what trends have petered out and which are going strong and do you think the industry and art form is better or worse off today? Also, will I fanboy ever make another t-shirt? <laughs> Just boxes of the damn things down. Look at them. Uh, but but think, think about it for a second. Like, five years ago, how different were comics than between then and now? Right? Mm-hmm. Hugely different. Five years like ago was two, 2008. Right? My math is wrong. I've had a lot of beer, but except it kind of isn't. Like I feel like we're but still working. But, but, no, but like the the industry, the, the the digital aspect of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New yeah. 52. Yeah. I mean, it was very different. I, I can't it's, even. It's hard. It's hard to, to to quantify it because I was like also I was a different different reader five years yeah. ago. I liked right. different, different things were important to me, and so. It's it's hard to to say how it how it changed qualitatively. Like I don't uh, um, I remember really liking Jeff Johns comics <laughs> five years ago, and now when I see his name on something, I tend to avoid it, and that's that's yeah. sad. So, but in other ways, things are uh, really exciting. Like we meant, you know, like Private Eye coming out. You don't never know what day it's going to come out, right? So that kind of aspect and the converse, the the level of conversation, you know, stuff on Twitter and everything that's different. That's really cool, sort of. We are closer to everything, so it makes stuff makes work harder to stand on its own if you're paying attention to that. I think, I think mainstream comics in general is worse off because there are much larger corporate overlords actually looking now. Yeah. And so it's not about making good comics per se so much. Actually, that's a thing that's changed a lot across the board, not even just Marvel and DC. Everybody has to make comics that might be movies. And that's a thing that's... I mean, at companies that you wouldn't even begin to think that's a thing they're doing have been ruined. And I don't want to name names, uh, right. but you can tell. If you look at the com- companies that used to put out great graphic novels with a regular... Like, they don't, they're not doing it. They're like Even they're looking for movie pitches because not enough people are buying the books, and that's the only way they can survive. That's, that's a really different thing. And eventually, like, I just feel like the Eye of Sauron of Hollywood is going to turn around, and everyone's going to be left standing there again. And then they'll build it up again. It'll be rad. But it'll be different. I think, just to throw on a... On a softer note, I think going back to that level of conversation and stuff online, I think when you when when there are concerns about what's going on in comics and trends that are happening and they're problematic, people talk about them a lot. And I think outside of mainstream comics and the more of the creator own stuff, I think that those questions are being addressed. So I think there's a there's a stronger sense of not forcing but but 
suggesting change in what kind of stories are being told and how characters are being represented. And like books. progress, there's no way that that doesn't eventually filter upward. Yeah. I think. So I think that's a very good thing. I, I, I like that. That's nice. What's the next one? What are we doing? Call it out, Richard Maul. He can't, we can't hear him. We can't hear why, Connor. Why can't we hear him? Does it Connor, sound like you're speaking? typing? It, it all fell apart. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. He's gone. So I'm going to go With ahead. With your fingers, hold up. What number question? Five? We should go back to five? 75. That is not productive at all. 75. I'm not. I'm. Oh! Back for oh. a second. You work on that. I'm going to read this question from our buddy Dave Carr from Buffalo, New York. <laughs> One, recommend graphic novel slash comic series to the major players on the West Wing. Give reasons for your choices. Oh, boy. Uh, I, I don't have the faculties for that. Is... Okay, what do you give Bartlett? What do you give Bartlett? You give... The, the obvious, the first thing that I think of would be something like Watchmen, but I think that he would see through it very quickly. <laughs> And he would make sense of the puzzle, mean? and he would no. Do you read? Have you read? You've read Grant Morrison's takedown. The octopus of is a frame job. <laughs> no, like you've read Grant what? Morrison's takedown of Watchmen, as he sort of figured out the the format of it. So okay, it's something that appears to be very complex, but may not necessarily be. So I can be more something like Luther Arkwright or something like that. <laughs> okay, like I don't think there are like wrong answers with this. No, this there just... definitely are not. Um, we're not doing. We're not doing Mandy. No, Mandy doesn't okay, get any. Good, good. What does CJ get? What is? What does CJ get? CJ gets Wonder Woman. CJ gets New Frontier. Really? Because that tall, you don't feel like that's a little Diana. obvious. Yeah, she could be. <laughs> I, give the girl the one about the girl. No, it's because and also because of the height. I'm gonna give Toby, uh, March. The new top shelf nice. graphic novel. Uh, I'm giving that to him because he's got a streak of the of the of the revolutionary and of the protester. Mm-hmm. What yes, do he does. Char- what do you give Charlie? His sister's took him to the uh, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie, Chad. Something with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> the Paul Revere knife. I don't know. I I'm terrible at this. I know. I am too. Um, it's a it's a good question. It's just that point in the night that. I... No, I know. I, uh, I would give him know. Eagle. Eagle, okay. Eagle, the the manga about uh, an uh, Asian American uh, presidential candidate. It ran for a bunch of very thick volumes. I would give Josh Lyman the John Byrne Star Trek collection that just came out because he is a closet <laughs> Star Trek fan. That's a good point. That's an excellent point. Um, and Sam Seaborn. See, now he's tough because he's a guy who I don't think he's got a lot of outside interests. He's into doing the thing that he's he's doing. I just heard a female voice, so that may be from Connor's world. The chat does not like us talking at length about West Wing, apparently. <laughs> Let's move on to an, another All right. question. That's All right, fine. Dave Carr also says, uh, what do you guys think of the Dick Tracy movie? Um, it's been a while, but really interesting use of color in that movie. Um, however the script shakes out and the performances... That's a really interesting movie to look at in terms of um, design. 
Ring the bell! Ring the bell. <laughs> Dad says hi and wonders if Raquel Welsh has ever been any been in any comic books. I would point Dad to Darwin Cook's Spirit. Some classy looking dames in that book. Edward from Nebraska. Please speculate on the future of comics. I realize this is wide open, and so please be encouraged to take any angle that you feel is relevant. Uh, uh, Jesus. I think we, I feel like we've done that. But Damn it! <laughs> it's all I, heard was him, all I heard was him say but. Okay, we've talked about the future of comics, I think, so unfortunately we're going to move on from there. Okay. Dr. Cesar from the Philippines, in your 500th episode, which do you think will be the norm, digital or paper comics? Digital. Digital. It already is for us right now. You, like, read it like skin comics. So you read it on your wrist? It's a transmetropolitan. You just, like, like, lick your thumb and just, like, rub it on your skin and, like, the comic will appear. It's, like, silly putty and... I don't know. Man, this Oh, wow, that's the last question. Yeah, that was it. You just finished it. You've got, uh, what do we do now? Do we just finish? Do we finish without him? Connor's next in the thing. Uh, he should write things on paper and hold it up and then we'll say it for him. <laughs> okay. All right, check out ifanboy.com for the pick of the week review and more in-depth comic book stuff and all the important news and discussion topics. Go to ifanboy.com about slash about to see the staff of iFanboy and their social network links. Follow us on twitter.com slash iFanboy and stay in touch on facebook.com slash iFanboy. You can, he, everybody knows that you can email us at contact at iFanboy.com. Uh, you can leave a voicemail at 888-FANBOYS, which is 326-2697, with questions for future shows. We don't do them on this episode because technically I have no idea how that would happen. But on other ones, we like them. Very much. So call in. Maybe, maybe one of those things you were thinking about writing, you could call in and, and do that. That would be, that would be good. Sure. Uh, if, you know what? I'll be honest. They're harder to edit in, but I, there's something nice to it. We get to hear a voice. I like that. Yeah. If you, oh, yeah, here it is. If you dig us, right, this is the latest I've stayed up in months. Uh, if you dig us, write a review, go to iTunes. You can, uh, we could do that for our show or the other shows, but mostly this show. Because I want to have a stupid number of reviews on there. Just just a retarded number. They're saying in the That's chat that Connor way. fell out of his chair. Did that happen? Oh, he's back. No, okay. he walked away. He no, I was just worried that something happened because that's possible. Yeah. Uh, so that's how, uh, honestly, the best way to do it is, uh, and you've all been very good about this, is if you, you hear something you like, tell somebody else about it. Uh, you are you are advertising and marketing, and obviously we, we owe you greatly for that. Um, because there are a lot of people who listen to this, and it's pretty rad, and that's only because you keep listening and you keep writing stuff in, in iTunes, and you've made all that possible. I really wish Connor could come back, you man. Are, what's happening to you? What? I'm so tired. You've been talking for such a long time. <laughs> We're up yeah. to the it's all scripted now. Like You just have to read what's there. Why are you still talking? I it's the end of a big show. I feel like we need to give something extra. It's not that. It's four hundred. It's not like five hundred. It doesn't matter. It, do, it doesn't matter. Three hundred is, is big. Like three hundred fifty feels bigger than four hundred. Four hundred is such is. a weird number. It's completely uh, ambiguous. Not ambiguous. What's the other one? It's the some sour patch watermelon. Ew! Don't eat on Mike. What? One lesson that we've learned. Okay. All right. I haven't uh, learned that yet. 
that's it for this week's show. I'm Connor. I'm Paul. I, I just heard Connor. Hello. Oh, there he is! I'm Connor. Yay. I'm Connor. <laughs> it's an episode 400 miracle. I'm Connor. I don't I'm know Paul. what happened. Goodbye. Josh, say your name. Josh. like a that was like a year one failure yeah i don't know i don't i don't know what happened all right i don't know either it kept saying Flanagan josh Flanagan has muted you i did that once to see if maybe that would turn you on yeah <laughs> did it turn you on <laughs> a little bit was it good for you <laughs> i don't know why that was my sexy voice but was it good for you yeah it worked for me